Recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playing and slaying. From the remote BOD studios around southeastern Wisconsin, it is Playing and Slaying, episode 55. I I tell you guys, this episode is going to be one where there might be some uh, some tears shed um, for you know not not being at Gen Con, but we're going to do the man on the street interview with Troy, uh, who recently returned from Gen Con's maybe triumphant return to gaming conventions. Um, we'll hear from Troy a little bit about his Gen Con 21 experience in a not yet post COVID world. <laughs> um, and then we're also going to bring back uh, play it or slay it. A It's been a while. Uh, it's been a long while since we did one of those. Um, but just to refresh any memories or for anyone who might be uh, listening in for the first time, Play It or Slay It is a segment where we talk about something in gaming, be it a new game, a gaming-adjacent product, or in this case, a streaming service uh, brought to you by a gaming company. Um, so Warhammer Plus, the uh, the subscription-based um, mainly streaming and, and a few other goodies that we'll talk about. And we give that a review uh, and decide, play it or slay it. Of course, we'll always have a full lineup of banter, what we've been playing, hobbying, kickstarting, listening to, reading, talking about, you know, when, when we have time to just sit sit down and, and talk about uh, random geekery and games. So it should be a good time. We are without the intern tonight. It is uh, a, a return to the old times before um, before Bryce, as we have Josh, Troy, and myself here for everyone's listening and, I don't know, maybe viewing pleasure. I'm not even sure if I'm on camera. So if I am, I need to get my act together. You are um, on camera, and we will try. We've had the last <laughs> two episodes up on YouTube, and I will try and do that too. We're... It's uh, it's a little bit basic, but if you do want to happen to look at our faces while we uh, while we talk, you can go on YouTube and and listen to us or watch us. At some point, that, we'll actually that. like have visuals where we're like we'll embellish the the video version with like a a screenshot of a game or a picture or something. So, well, yeah, we used to always say, you know, yeah, for a radio show, we're gesturing or we're showing a model or talking about a book or something. Now uh, now we can bring that visual medium to life. Yeah, and All I right, did, because so I already did get feedback 55. that our YouTube, that my background sucked last time, and 
and that I'm backwards and I can't fix the backwards part um, yet. We're, we'll, we'll work on the technical stuff there, but uh, uh, and I tried to fix the background this time to have a little bit more interest. So, I mean, you've got your game game shelves, the books, the the Space Marine. Uh, is that the McFarland stuff there? Yeah, McFarland yeah. is over here. Sorry, we're pointing for people that are only listening to us, but the the yeah, big uh, whatever that whatever size that is, the action figure size, uh, McFarland Space Marines and Necrons, and oh, it's a sister battle, I think, back there. All right. And Josh has a nice ambient light going on. Um, and I've got messy hobby space basement. So, uh, you know. I, I think Josh can start flashing that light to like, it'll be like a rave um, in a little bit. So <laughs> I, I can totally do that. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Uh, so. Again. Well, that's that's how it's going to be uh, tonight. We're going to have visual effects. We're going to have you know a very animated uh, crew as we we talk through our our show yeah. notes. Um, but you know what is it, it, it is time when you're playing and slaying. It's important to stay hydrated, and we are bringing this uh, important to stay hydrated segment to you um, from Indianapolis Sun King Brewery as. We are all drinking the same thing. So, Troy, take it away, and then let's uh, let's break down this beverage. All right. So I brought back for everybody, and we drank a little bit while we were there, is Genevieve. And I don't know if this is like, did they, they might have rewound this from last year. I don't know if this was their beer they were going to do last year, and they did do last year, and they did it. There was something about that, but I may be right or wrong. So... Genevieve, which is a dragon. That's who the like the mascot is of the dragon. Yeah, hold mine will be backwards. So if you look at Josh's video, it'll be better. Uh, Genevieve is a Belgian style amber ale with multi sweetness, fruity character, and a hint of spice. And I would agree with all those things. It's um, it's a nice, very I don't know if it's sweet, but a mild amber really doesn't have a lot of bitterness to it at all. That I think. Um, and I'm usually like a not hopped bitter person, so I'm really I'm really enjoying it. Um, and it has uh, and it's a little bit more than uh, I guess your regular amber. And I guess what that that's what that hint of spices or something. There's something else going on in there. So I am I was yeah super. I, I thought it I thought I would like it, and then it's even better than what I thought it would be <laughs> when I had it. So uh, enjoyed it. And in the uh, normal thing on our way out of town ben and i hit sun king brewery and bought a case and then i brought it back and distributed it to the other hosts so that they could have a little taste of of gen con and what we were there so thank you troy yeah thank you genevieve is uh it's tasty i'm i'm a huge fan of of belgians in general um and josh can probably tell you how he gets that from the the yeast used and the the malt or what what the key differences are but you do get that kind of different sugar with a, a belgian a little different sweetness um and i also like ambers a lot and this is a nice a, a really nice smooth kind of fusion of of those two styles of beer um and you get a nice that that malt really comes through that's probably what gives that sweetness but josh maybe you have more critical analysis than than i can offer yeah no but I... You, you're you're spot on. Uh, Belgians have that distinct flavor, that distinct like I don't know, a fruity maltiness, whatever that is. Um, uh, it, it it definitely shines through, but not like overpowering. There's sometimes you get a Belgian that's just like it hits you in the face, and it, they're good, right? But 
Uh, this one's a little bit more subdued since it's a Belgian slash amber. Um, and I I don't know. I, I dig it. It's very good. It's uh it's a it's a really good blend. So Genevieve Sun King Brewing, uh, the Gen Con beer for this year and perhaps last year. I or you know the last Gen Con. I'm not yep. sure. I, I some some reason I remember the naming contest before this. Yeah, so. and again, I didn't do all my research. I felt like there was something where they were like, "Hey, we're carrying this over" or something. But I, I may be wrong on that. But it, so it it may or may not be brand new for this year. So. All right, so then let's let's go and dive right into the the banter, the banter proper, and talk about what we've been playing. Um, I'm going to start. So it, it wasn't playing, uh, but I did go to an event. I went to an Age of Sigmar tournament, Brew City Brawl, um, hosted by uh, Brendan Melnick, so the the Lord of Death, uh, Hobby Bear, however you may know him. Um, part, you know, part of the Cubic Shenanigans podcast. He hosts the, um, he, he's the TO and um, organizer of Brew City Brawl. This year he did a 3,000 point uh, tournament. So quite different than your standard 2,000 point uh, five round tournament. Um, gave a little bit of extra time for the rounds, but had um, 46 players, including the ringer um, that attended. Uh, at one of the hotels down by the airport here in Milwaukee, um, folks from all over, um, you know, a pretty good cross section of the Midwest uh, community. Um, and I, I didn't play, uh, which was a first for me at an AOS tournament, but I helped Brendan out uh, just kind of with setup and, you know, some helped manage ticket sales for the charity raffle and did the uh, the paint judging. So he had asked if I would kind of head up the the paint judging and um talk through as you know, a, a different experience maybe talk about that more in detail at, at some point in time but um you know to to go through how his vision of the score sheet kind of works and then um go around and score all the all the armies between games and kind of interview the players for you know what hey what did you do on conversions or what am i missing here you know what did you do for freehand so on and so forth um but his tournament what what is uh, always fun to see is there's a number of different uh trophies and awards given um you know one of the main uh awards other than top you know top finish and like best general is uh you know sigmar hard mode um kind of the special snowflake it's an it's an army that um the list construction is certainly not like the meta netlist, you know, that it's unique and it feels underpowered. Like it, it shouldn't be doing, you know, that well. Um, but you have to finish three and two and you've got to have, you know, a, a well-rounded hobby element to the army and the list construction. And then we review it kind of as a, a cabal of um, secret, <laughs> secret entities behind the scenes, come up with our favorites. And then out of those, he finishes with that three and two gets that, that trophy. So, it's always fun to see that one. Um, and then, you know, just hang out with everybody. It was, it was my first time back in, in that scene in, you know, two years of being around some of these folks. And so, you know, Alex Gonzalez and Christian Ware and um, like Kyle Knapp, that whole the Pont, Pants Mafia crew. And um, so John Wenger and Alex from like Screw City Gamers and just, you know, folks from all over and then meeting new new people too. Um 
So uh, one that I just want to, David Blenner, he's G-dead. He hangs out a lot in the RankCast uh, chat. Um, he ended up taking out the tournament 5-0 with Sons of Bayamot, won, won the tournament. Um, Isaiah uh, Ramchek also finished 5-0, and 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 David won based on a tiebreaker for favorite game, uh, favorite game votes. Wow. Um, but they both just had awesome finishes, and he had a Sons of Bayamot army with some conversion work, and it was just it was fun to to see him, meet him in person, and uh, see him do well. And then Kyle had. I don't know if you guys have seen on Twitter all of his bears. He has dwarves on bears, and he's done a ton of conversions and had it like a bear dragon and other stuff. He uh, he won favorite army, which is always cool. You know the the player votes um, for that, and it was a tie, five votes to five votes versus Robert Elmer's Sons of Bayamot, which were all like chaos converted, like everything was converted and modeled. Um, and it, it came down the paint score. So Brendan and I had to do a, an audit, you know, the scores to make sure the points were all 100% right and then kind of ask for, you know, some clarification on, on a few things. So it was super close because an overall paint score broke the, the tie there. But um, it was a fun weekend. That was a handful of weeks ago. I forget exactly when that was. I feel like it was early it was September. The, yeah, the week before Gen Con. So it was right, yeah, that first weekend in September like the, or whatever. Yeah, yeah like the, the 10th or 11th. 7th, yeah. yeah, it was it was the 10th, 11th, 12th, yep. right in there. Um, but yeah, uh, fun fun to get out there. The charity raffle uh, for Prevent Suicide uh, Greater Milwaukee. Um, Bryce wasn't able to be there this year. That's usually... Uh, something he has he has really established that was an important part of the tournament. Um, so we wanted to to keep that going, um, and we raised twenty four hundred dollars for uh, prevent suicide Greater Milwaukee that weekend. Um, awesome. Always a big part of Brew City Brawl, and you know, really important to to all of us that help out with it. So um, that was probably the highlight was seeing the the raffle ticket sales. Um, crest over you know a thousand bucks in the first few hours and then you hit the 1500 and you're like 2k and then you're like oh 2400 all right you know up up till uh the end um very cool yeah so bruce city brawl super fun uh you know he's planning on doing he's planning on sticking with this format 3000 point games uh this time of year september um since he's kind of the the head TO, he's taken over for the work that Alex Gonzalez did with Adepticon. Brendan is now kind of the you know the the TO for the Adepticon AOS tournament. The spring where it usually was is a little too close, so he thinks the September date will stick uh, and be kind of a you know just a a meta breaker of a tournament going forward because three thousand points is quite different, <laughs> um, a different beast entirely. So we are um, (laughs) getting live message. Sorry, I just looked at my screen here. A live message from one of our listeners who must see us in the Discord recording. (laughs) Just said, yay, getting ready for a new planet's land. So yes, Josh, when when you listen, that is exactly what we were doing, recording. That is funny, yeah. Someday we'll do the live Twitch and... uh have a peanut gallery or something but yeah we'll see. technology like i was telling josh i have all these grand dreams and then never get the time to experiment with the technology and get everything set up but um slowly but surely <laughs> we're making baby steps we're moving so 
Maybe I'll just quit, then, my, uh, quit my job and then I'll have we can do this full time for no well, pay. Retire, right? Yeah, retire. <laughs> I'll call it that. Retire and do this for no yeah. pay. That'll be that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, not really playing, but playing adjacent. I wasn't sure to talk about that in hobby or in play, but um, there were and, a lot of games played, so I felt like it was it was appropriate. It was good. Positioned. And I don't. Uh, I have the Cubic Shenanigans. I assume they threw out any. Did they cover it? Did Brendan talk about it on their podcast yet? I assume that's out. I should look. Yeah. I'm a little yeah, bit behind. They, they I'm still in like a Gen Con it. fog trying to catch up on stuff. Yeah, I mean Dan Dan was there playing his his annual first round game. I think him and Nick McKenna played their their first round <laughs> grudge as apparently they do at every single Midwest tournament that has grudges. Um it, you know, just a, a ton of people and I'm sure I'm missing names, but um, you know, obviously forty six people. <laughs> no, that's a great I mean that's a all. great turnout. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah, really cool. Um, the, the one other cool thing was that Dave Nordstrom, uh, one of our local guys is helping, uh, with the tournament as he does. And he was, uh, the ringer and there were two lists. So we thought, you know, Hey, wouldn't it be kind of fun if the, the, the person got to pick which army the ringer plays against them, either the stormcast list or this Archeon, like, um, you know, chaos list. Uh, so now it's morphed into it, it may be one of those things where you pick your list from all four of the grand alliances. Like, do you want to play the death list, the chaos list, the order list, or the destruction list? And then we even joke that maybe we add the the variance of you can also pick which ringer you play against. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there's there's some fun to be had there. Good tournament. And I, I told Brendan when signups happened, I said three K is just not my. That's not how I want to play. I couldn't, I couldn't give my opponent good games at 3000 points for five rounds. It's just too much Warhammer, too many models, too many points. Um, but I said, Hey, I want to help. So I'll probably end up doing that subsequent years. Cause I, I just big games aren't my, they're not my jam. <laughs> I'd rather go the opposite right. way. Yep. I'd rather play like three games at 1500 points and call it a weekend. Um, I, well, but, I, I'm a big fan of the two game tournament but I haven't seen that yet. So I'm trying to, <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's, it's really tough to figure out uh, a finish. There's lots of ties. There's lots of, uh, yeah. you know, what? and I guess they, what they say, run the tournament you want to see. Right. So maybe yeah. that's the, that'll be the, the BOD tournament. It'll just be, yeah, you come for a day. We, we play like two games during the day, have a lot of socialization. And at the end we like randomly draw for awards maybe or something like, i don't know we like, dice yeah. we dice off like we dice years. off to like oh yeah like yeah. oh all these people are tied at uh two and oh here let's roll off d20s and uh and we'll see who wins yeah but then that'd be fun and everybody, everybody be relaxed no way will be tired right they'll be it'll be good and we'll have plenty of energy to sit at the bar then so all about the experience that's right yep. um yeah so so help with that as far as playing um so i i had decided that this was going to be the the month that i dove headlong into magic the gathering arena after having last played in like the beta test of arena whenever that was so i i you know started opening packs and um i think i put like 40 bucks in to get enough of a, a start getting some cards and stuff um and then built a deck that i saw on the internet tweaked it a little bit and got to mythic so that was pretty cool hit mythic ranking and um you know had 
had a, f a fair bit of winning and losing to get there, but not not terribly difficult uh, grind. And then they just released the new set, Midnight Hunt, which is the return of the Innistrad. So playing some of that, uh, really enjoying the sealed uh, format where you get six packs and, and make your own deck from it. Um, I think I prefer that to even drafting, um, but had never really done that before at all. Uh, so just been playing a, a lot of Magic the Gathering via Arena. Um, and, and Josh, I know you're playing... I'm, I maybe motivated you to reapply yourself to <laughs> Arena. You sure did. <laughs> yeah, when you were like, I hit Mythic. I, I had been playing a little bit, just like here and there, not not a ton. Like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm grinding to Mythic, and I'm like, oh man, all right, I gotta get going. <laughs> uh, and I hit I hit Diamond Four, and I was like, okay, I, that's that's enough for me. But uh, yeah, no, I think it's awesome you hit Mythic. That's I haven't haven't gotten there yet, so maybe I'll have to put that on my to do list here. Try to grind it out. Uh, it's incredibly frustrating because you feel like some days you win four or five in a row, and then you lose like seven in a row, and you lose all your progress <laughs> up the the ladder for that <laughs> day, and you can't stop because you get your first loss, and you're like, oh. I gotta bounce back, you know. I gotta get those. I gotta get that position back. Then you lose again, and then you get frustrated and you hit a deck that you just know is gonna be a like. I found myself conceding matches where I knew it just wasn't gonna be fun because either I didn't have the good opening draw, or I wreck. And what scared me a little bit is I started to recognize other decks and understand the standard format. I've never been that type of like magic player where I actually could figure out what my opponent's deck is and is trying to do, and then like. No, I either have ways to stop it and win, or I don't. So I'm like conceding the game, you know, after a first couple turns because I'm recognizing right. what it is. I'm like, this means I'm playing entirely too much of this game. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and now with the the set rotating, uh, I I don't know all the new decks anymore. So I'm I'm kind of going, well, crap. Now I have to relearn all this stuff, you know. So, but. Yeah, no, it's fun. I, I'm enjoying it. Then um, in-person gaming, got together with Troy for a, uh, a board game night. Josh, I know you couldn't make it, but John was there, and we, we decided to break out um, Zombicide 2nd Edition. So I brought over the um, the base game and some of the expansions from the, the Kickstarter, and we cracked it open and, and gave it a whirl. We didn't play the 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 fort um, or the Washington DC, but we did have some fun looking at the White House tiles, um, and played one of the scenarios. You know, I think it was like the second or third one, a, a medium difficulty using all nine tiles. Um, pretty straightforward objectives and, and gameplay, but uh, gave it a whirl, and I think we won with like a part of an asterisk. Yeah. I can't remember how John messed it up, but somehow he did. Well, so, he left Doug in the middle of the yeah, street. Right, yeah. So runners got the double activation yep. and ate him. Yep. But uh, whatever, his body got off the board, so we still counted it as a win. Yeah, we carried his corpse out. Yep. So, and maybe he could be revived. We, didn't, eh, we, we know who knows. <laughs> but, I mean, but it was lost fun. A yeah, a lot of blood. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I had a, I was good. I mean, a lot. I mean, when you suggested that tie, both John and I were kind of like, oh, this is because neither of us had kind of got in on second edition, and so it was just really interesting to see, like, what did they change? And we kind of heard about it, but until you really play it, right? You know, you, 
it was interesting to see, you know, how they had kind of taken everything they've learned in the past, whatever it is, nine, 10 years now or something like that. Um, yeah. And uh, from the other Zombicide uh, versions and replied it back to the original. And you could definitely see where they streamlined things, um, kind of ramped up. The, it seemed like it ramped up a lot quicker. Like blue level didn't feel like a little bit of that slog when you're kind of just like chipping away. It seemed like things jumped out really good. And zombies got, and there were a lot of zombies on board, a lot more abominations, which is, you know, similar to what you see in, you know, whether that's Black Plague or even in Invader or something else like that. So, um, yeah, it was good. And the, the, yeah, the zombie rush, I know you had notes in here. I think that was interesting. Again, that mechanic where they, Zombies jumped on and they moved right away, which again created a little bit more drama um, early on, and so forth. So, yeah, it was, uh, one one element I really liked is they put the the weapon crates and the objective markers directly on the tile. Um, oh, yep. So they give you tokens that you can place on them, but you don't have to do as much. And same with doors; the doors are all on the map tiles, and the objectives and the the weapon crates are already on the tiles. So. You can put tokens to represent them, but they've marked where they go, um, which is incredibly useful because setup used to take so long looking at the map and then trying to figure out, oh, wait, door, we have seven doors, we need eight. Okay, here, oh, here it is. Yeah. You um, you forgo some of that, so it, it felt quicker to, to pick up, and it, it actually played pretty quick, too. Mm -hmm. I mean... Yeah, it felt like they, they streamlined some things uh, around it, and I think also, like, there were... They were what we were joking, right? They were weapons. Every, like you quickly got armed and ready to battle, right? You didn't like because sometimes you'll have that scenario where, and even it happens sometimes in Black Plague, yeah, where you'll get one, a character who just like they never get a good weapon and they're always kind of like, or they're just never be able like to kind of get up and get get up in their in their point value and get to the extra actions and things like that. And this, it felt like there were so many weapons laying all everywhere you turned. There was a you know, a weapon creator that, that, what does it call it? Pimp weapons where, you know, it's yeah. that you're drawn out of a, a deck that you know is going to be something awesome, uh, which is similar, again, like Invader, the same thing. They have the prototype weapons, which you know that you're going to get some. So again, it's interesting how they took different things from the different versions and kind of seeded it in there. But it seemed like they did a, a decent job uh, of, uh, of, of, of mixing them in there. There wasn't anything that I was like, oh, you know, why, why are they doing this? Nothing felt like it was uh, didn't belong or or was you know taking away from the play at all so josh we we missed you i played you i was josh nice <laughs> uh, yeah and uh reason i couldn't go was because uh my my daughter uh her birthday party was that weekend and i had family in town so um but at the birthday party, she got a game called Hedgehog Roll. I forget who <laughs> gave it to her, but um, I was like, oh, that looks cute. You know, it looks like a little fun little game, whatever. And we actually played it uh, this week. Uh, and it, it's it's kind of interesting. Like, I haven't seen a game like this. So you get, like, a little fuzzy hedgehog. He's just a little ball, right? And um, there's all these... Um, so, so the board is... You know, kind of like a Candyland board, right? It kind of zigzags all the way to the finish. And there's different tracks. You can go through different tracks. And they're, each space is a different shape. So there's like acorns and flowers and leaves and flowers and whatever. Um, so you take the little hedgehog and you have all these little Velcro um, uh, 
pieces that have that that symbol on the back of them. And so you roll the hedgehog onto those shapes and whatever ones he picks up, uh, that's how the, those are the spaces you can go. Um, so if you pick, if you get the right, you know, the right combination of shapes, uh, you can go, you know, multiple, uh, spaces. So it's kind of cute. It's, you know, shape matching and following the path and, you know, the, the fun rolling of the hedgehog, uh, on the shapes, it, it's kind of cute. I, I I liked it. My daughter really likes it. So, um, yeah, a, a fun game for younger players. Um, most importantly, though, did you win? Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, the 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 first time we played, we actually ran out of time because it was dinner time, um, and the we didn't actually finish the second game. So, so yeah, um, we I think it was kind of a both a no finish (laughs) and no contest all right no contest and then second question is it is it feasible uh to throw your opponent's hedgehog and then roll your own hedgehog to like gain advantage like could you take your daughter's hedgehog throw it across the room and then roll your own there's just the one hedgehog, so oh, you take okay, turns. Okay. It's, it, yeah, you're learning to take turns too. Okay, so that's sure. another Yeah, gotcha. Might be a yeah. tough game for me to handle if if I have to share <laughs> sharing hedgehogs. Yeah, it's cute though. Uh, yeah, so I I like to bring up games, you know, for younger players in case other folks have uh, little people at their house too. Excellent. Any other gaming going on? I know, uh, Troy, you may have some online yeah. gaming going on. Uh, not really. Uh, not, not here. Uh, I think I'll just cover some of this as we talk about Gen Con. Cause I think as I look back, sure. everything that I've done, uh, was I think, At Gen Con. in Gen Con. Yeah. I don't think we, um, uh, yeah, everything's either related or at Gen Con. So good deal. Um, let's dive into the, the hobby table. What, what, uh, we've all been working on. Um, I'm going to start this with just a possibly foreshadowing, um, at a bit of an inflection point for, uh, Havoc upcoming in November, uh, as Bryce and I chat and discuss, we don't have a plan B and plan A is, uh, heading South very, very rapidly as we just have not been put in the time and work in. So we're, um, my people and his people are, you know, they're they're trying to come up with a strategy to get us to, uh, you know, to victory here in the elections in November. <laughs> but we're we're not sure what's going to happen. Um, I I went on a burst and I I started like converting my warlord and I was pretty happy with the progress and and then just kind of stopped. So now it's like either got to pull the shoot or you got to. <laughs> you know, uh, work five times more effectively and efficiently than, than I'm currently working. Um, and part of that was I, I did a hobby desk reset. So I had a bunch of just random half painted stuff and like hadn't hobbied in a while. So I just cleaned off the entire workspace and then spent several hours, you know, working on the conversions for my, my warlord model, which I'm, I'm actually pretty pleased with. And I, I think, um, I think it'll work. Uh, painting it'll be another story, but <laughs> at least getting the build part done um, 
was was pretty enjoyable, but now it's time to reapply myself. So um, I did distract myself with a Noble Knight uh, shipment that's close by. It's not at hand. I was going to grab it if it was close, but I, I bought five or six more boxes for Crisis Protocol of different characters. So I'm filling up my, you know, I've got all of the Guardians of the Galaxy now. I've got all of the Spider-Verse, like... Um, Want the Web Warriors affiliation and and some others, so kind of start building through those. And I, I'm kind of at at a unique junction where I'm really struggling too with AOS three and motivation to play that game in any kind of competitive sense. Um, just for where the meta's gone and how the game's complexity has shifted a little bit, and I'm really finding myself drawn to like Crisis Protocol and that style of interaction and game like skirmish side you know just more manageable size um war cry maybe even kill team if i can get a translation for what those symbols mean because <laughs> that is the stupidest thing i've ever seen in a game but like that that size game is just so much more accessible to to where i'm at right now um i don't know what it means long term but like i got some motivation from brew city and I was like, yeah, it's cool. But I also then thought, well, I don't want to play in this size tournament. Like, and I don't know if it's addition. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but maybe I'll get over it. But that's kind of the the inflection point. You know, it's, it's kind of at this, like, I have to make a decision. And, and I think Bryce is struggling with that as well as how how hard do we want to commit? And if we need to, we need to do it like two weeks ago. <laughs> So I don't know if you guys are having similar struggles or if everything's going, you know, easy peasy for for you on the hobby front. But I'll I'll kick it uh, kick it Josh's way. Yeah, okay. I want to know where because I actually I haven't there. I haven't looped back with Josh to see where he is. So either so he'll he'll tell he'll give give me motivation or uh, or uh, worry I guess. So I go through spurts of okay I'm getting stuff done and then I'll fade off. And then I'll get some more stuff done, and then I'll fade off. And uh, I actually had to order um, some some models that I didn't have, uh, and those finally came. Uh, it took forever. I had I had a gift card from GW uh, that you couldn't use online, so I had to actually go to the store, use it in the store, uh, and they they sent it to me. I think from overseas, like from. <laughs> the UK. So it took forever to get. So they're finally here. But yeah, I'm I'm having a little bit of motivation issue as well. Um but I I don't know. Um I have plans. There's a lot of plans and a lot of ideas and I have everything I need. It's just setting that time aside. Um and I'm getting stuff done, but it's not happening as like if it was three months away i'd be like oh we got this but since it's like a month <laughs> it's away, getting scary i know it's scary when you look at the calendar I, like that's what got me when all of a sudden i was kind of planning other stuff and looking at our calendar because there's like game hole con and other things in october and all of a sudden you're like holy right on the same one page of your calendar you're like oh there's havoc right there november 5th <laughs> like oh right. that's definitely within there you can count the days now right so yep so 
I'm not counting it out, but I'm also slightly nervous as well. So you'll you'll be good. So you're. Uh, I am still. I'm, I'm. My energy has been continuing to like have the plan. I started some a little bit of uh, color experiment. And then I've also been like a little bit like you, Josh, I, I like we talked, like I kind of have a plan, like what I have. So I've been procuring, like, I know I wanted to have, uh, procuring a couple models that I knew I wanted to add to this, uh, to what I have. And then I'm all, I'm kind of cheating and I'm trying to figure out how I may just, I may reuse and repaint some things I already have assembled, um, and kind of make it so it works with our, our, our plan as that's kind of my cheat because I'm like, yeah, real time is real, right? <laughs> On some of that. So I'm trying to be very like, you know, the warlord and things like that. Where do I put the energy in? And then where, where can I yeah. kind of do some cheating and, and take advantage of things that I already have maybe built and just make them work with the scheme we're thinking of. For sure. I yeah. did, however. Oh, 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 oh. Listeners. I received something. Um, I had this chest, uh, oh, but it has oh. gold in it now. Uh, <laughs> for for those of you uh, that are only listening, there's 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 gold in here in this chest. Yeah. Um, that that's a little foreshadowing yeah. of what my army is about. So yeah, that came. That was kind of fun. Excellent. So probably a, another update before havoc uh and we'll we'll learn the fates of um the plane and slaying gang as they try to get there um yoda would probably tell us there is no try uh or something like that but i, I don't know if we have a hobby yoda we need a hobby yoda i thought that was yeah. price. Um, so our, our gaming and accountability goal really will just be get havoc armies done and if we if we don't we'll have to give like a hundred dollars to charity mm -hmm. it can't be a ten dollar yeah. fail it's no, like a no and, and and we and we give it to steve we, we give it to, it to steve, yeah too. we give it to steve's charity yeah yes. yeah we give it <laughs> yeah. to steve's charity absolutely um let's go to not even greener pastures i mean my my kickstarter update is is pretty pretty sad troy do you want to start do you have anything on kickstarter going on that is like good news and enjoy i well i'll i'll save it is, there because the two the only thing i have I did, I did not i have actually um i haven't actually pledged anything recently uh which is i get good and bad for me i don't know what it is right but i do have some updates there are a few things that came out of gen con that have me interested that are gonna okay. kickstart in the future so i'll mention them during that Okay. Um, I'm going to start with something. I know we've, we've talked about this, um, this company before, and, and I think it would be a disservice to just gloss over it, but I don't know if either of you guys saw, uh, the allegations that came out about sexual harassment from this, the guy that owns the broken token. I, I can't think of his name now. Um, but you know, pretty, pretty, um, pretty awful atrocious stuff and um you know a, a number of current kickstarters have uh had his um his product as a part of it like uh frost haven so the gloomhaven isaac childress 
um, severed ties and has found an alternate solution. So I saw a couple of Kickstarters that I'm I'm actually waiting on announced. You know, we have decided to part ways with Broken Token, not use their their products, and gone elsewhere. And here's what we're doing. So a couple updates like that. Um, but you know, I, I'm not going to get in into the you know the the news, uh, if you will, but just uh, pretty terrible stuff. And and I think it's good that the industry as a whole, I feel like has has come a long way from where it was years ago, and now just doesn't tolerate that kind of shit. Like, you know, a number of other companies and designers have said, no, we're done. Like severed ties, Pandasaurus, you know, other, a bunch of companies that like we support. Um, basically said no way and and i'm seeing a, a litany of it on kickstarter and others following suit and and i think that you know people are taking that seriously when when situations like that happen you know that they're doing it but it's when you're backing kickstarters and you see these updates coming from like the the creators it's um you know it, it's it's a it's a huge industry you know, like, but it's also a relatively small, small industry yeah. as far as who works with who and, and what does what. Um, so you see a lot of interconnection between these these different parties. Um, but the Frosthaven update, I, I thought, you know, Isaac handled it in a very clear, he was very transparent to his backers. You know, this is why I'm doing it. This is what I'm doing. And then I'll find a new a new way to do it. And then he presented that in an update saying, here's what I've decided to do. Here's the inserts that we're going to use um, and move forward. And I think a lot of Kickstarters and game companies could learn a lesson too about that transparency and that communication. I think some are better. We've talked about how some companies are terrible with their communication and others are, are very clear and very transparent. And I think he is one that is very thoughtful in what he tells his backers and, and how he does it. So yeah, when when all this stuff came out, uh, I <laughs> I actually saw some sort of cryptic note on Twitter of all places, and I was really confused. I didn't know what was happening. Like, I, I <laughs> it didn't make like it. It if you knew the story, if you knew what was going on, it would have made total sense. But like, I had jumped into the middle of it and didn't have a clue, and so I'm like piecing all this stuff together, and then I finally get to like the original, like, oh, this is what's going on. I was like, oh, wow, that's bad. Like, yeah. it just yeah. kind of hit, it hit you, you know, like a like a hot wave, right? And uh, yeah, it was just kind of kind of awful, but yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, and then. In I guess happier Kickstarter news. Uh, so Simon had their Eternia, the the He Man. I don't know the full name of the the game, um, but uh, miniatures. You know He Man, Skeletor, the the saber tooth like tiger that Adam rides, and like you know just like all the stuff. And I'm like, oh man, the nostalgia factor was. I was like, ah, oh. and then I I didn't even go to the campaign. I didn't, you know, I didn't because I didn't want to end up getting sucked in and backing it. So I just I ignored it uh, and I pushed it aside. When people posted in Discord, I, I I kept the walls up. I said, no, I am not. I put my 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 box around me and I said, I'm not going to do it. As I thought about the other games, I'm still waiting on like yet more Zombie Side in the Old West and Massive Darkness Two. Speaking of which, if anyone wants to purchase a full Massive Darkness Two Kickstarter pledge, whenever that comes, I'm definitely not going to 
like even touch it. I'm just gonna have to see if I can ship it off elsewhere. I've been seeing He-Man figures painted on various platforms and uh they they look pretty cool for what it's worth. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely do. Um but I I can't, Josh. I just yep. can't. No. And it, I hear you. I'm just saying. And it'll be at retail. Like if you really want no, whatever, no, and I, you probably can get it for. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to get it for half the price. And if you just want the miniatures, be able to buy the game for whatever half the price. Throw the rest of the game away. Have the minis and go. I, yep. I have a full, like desk of things to be built and a shelf of like. I don't. I no. I I don't need. He man. Yep. I'm supposed to get Hero Quest end of this year. Like. Zargon has been tweeting random stuff about his minions on their their Twitter feed. <laughs> Joe Manganello's quest book got added in, they because they hadn't hit the four million goal, but then they ended up saying, "Hey, we're doing it." So like he did a quest book and a couple models that they added into the pledge. Supposed to be end of the year, but I I can't I can't do more. I just can't. That's good. Well, we'll support you, you Ty. We'll support you. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't yeah. even get. He Man is interesting for me. Like He Man, I'm a little like before He Man. I guess like I was a little too old by the time He Man was was like hot. So I was definitely I was aware of it because I think my brothers and younger brothers like do it. But I just so it, I I think it's cool and whatever. But it never was like super nostalgic for me because it kind of missed me in kind of the the age. But any anything? Nope. No other Kickstarters. Show notes are so good. They just let yep. me kind of see, like, if I'm missing anything. <laughs> what we did? Yeah. It's like a script. We need the script our episode. Um, <laughs> we should. We should get writers, like uh, oh. the late the late shows, you know, how they have a writer's room that can just give us jokes and mm-hmm. and material. Or, or what? Pause for, pause for audience laughter. Yeah. Well, what <laughs> if maybe we're the writers... And then somebody could play us. We could have different people guest host, Ooh. and then they would just play us and say what. What actor plays you in the BOD playing and slaying movie, Troy? Oh, that's a good. Uh, can I just say Brad Pitt? No, isn't everybody just <laughs> say Brad Pitt? We're probably like the same age. I think Brad, I don't know how old Brad Pitt is, but uh... I got dibs on Jonah Hill with a beard. Mm. Jonah Hill with the beard, nice. I'm a, I'm gonna have Kevin James play me. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> all right oh man no see brad pitt's too old to play me he's too old <laughs> oh boy so um somebody put warhammer plus in the uh the other items of geekery but that's our play it or slay it yeah yeah we can't have that there no. did Troy. i do that that's you're trying to you're trying to get people advance notice yeah. of, of, of of Warhammer Plus, Warhammer and, how Plus. Great, and how great it is. All right, so I um <laughs> I bought a few RPG books. Well, uh, that I'm I'm fairly fairly happy about. One is the Wild Beyond the Witchlight, the newest um D and D book. I got the alternate cover down at Games Universe, our local local store. Um, uh, the same day that I picked up the new Auric Warclans book, um, I, I picked up the alternate cover by Hydro uh, 74, kind of that current 
hit artist of all all things D and D alt covers. Um, but it's the Feywild Adventure. Um, it is completely unique as it is the first book that has been designed in a way that you could theoretically not have a single combat encounter. You could play through the entire campaign through just role play, skill challenges, and other things. They've given you a path um, where you do not have to fight anything. Uh, general premise: you you a carnival comes to your town, um, owned by Mister Witch and Mister Light, uh, the Witch Light uh, Fair or Carnival. And then the players end up uh, being transported to Prismir, which is a domain. So they've carried forward what they did with Domains of Dread and Ravenloft, uh, Van Richten's Guide, and did Domains of the Feywild, um, Prismir being one of them. But um, And the other cool thing with Wild Beyond the Witchlight, usually the Adventures League, which is like the, um, you know, the store play and the convention play, um, are adventures that extend and expand beyond um the current like book you know storm king's thunder they did related to that and um the Baldur's gate one avernus related to that this they they said they'll be using encounters and adventures from within the wild beyond the witchlight for adventures league and they're directing people to look at all of the um all of the creators that are out there on like dm's guild making content using you know different domains of the Feywild and Feywild material and they're encouraging people to purchase those and, and look elsewhere but they kind of changed up the format for Adventures League uh, this year um, and then Troy found me a box set and book and added in the GM screen for a game that I have been almost obsessive about for the last several weeks and I was not wanting to pay the outrageous like $50 <laughs> shipping cost to get it from Europe because I couldn't find any U.S. distributors. But Free League Publishing must have been hidden away at Gen Con and Troy sent me pictures and a message on Discord and I, I was like, yes, yes, please, please buy this <laughs> and this. And he brought it back from Gen Con, the Forbidden Lands uh, box set with the the it has the player's book and the the GM's guide in it, one of their expansion books, and then the, the GM screen as well. So I've been obsessing over Forbidden Lands the last several days since we played. It was that last weekend, I think, we played um, Zombie Side. So I've been flipping through those books um, for inspiration. And if not playing actually a Forbidden Lands campaign, I'm trying to think, like, how could I do this style of game with 5e? Because we're all familiar with 5e and the map and the hex exploration and everything. But I'm not crazy. I can't start a third campaign. Whenever I do that, I end up <laughs> burning out too soon. And I have two going currently. So I want to, though. I want to. I need somebody to tell me not to. But um, it's, it's really cool. I highly encourage anyone that there's some... Uh, there's some cool um, like YouTube channels that are playing through it. Um, Sean uh, Sean Kelly from Gaming and BS um, runs one uh, that I don't think they do live play, but he talks about sometimes. Um, so it's uh, it's kind of a classic style RPG. You know, it sounds like relatively high mortality rates, um, exploration, and 
you know, monsters and artifacts and relatively low magic. So it's not like the high high magic of D and D and crazy spells everywhere. Um, has more of that Conan feeling of like low magic, but awesome, awesome, grindy RPG game. Cool. I'm glad I found it. I uh, yeah. I, I mean, made made my week when I got that message from Troy. Here I am at home, not able to go to Gen Con, not want really, you know, not sure about Gen Con. And I see Troy found it and I'm like, yes. A moment of happiness. <laughs> um, any other uh, before we get into the library segment? Any other? Uh, uh, I just tidbits. Uh, and I didn't didn't have it on here, but as you mentioned, Wild Beyond Witchlight. Did you watch any of the D and D celebration that was online? I think it was last weekend. Um, a lot of good. I haven't even made it through. I wasn't watch. I watched a little bit live, but a lot of it's on YouTube and. Um, there's some cool stuff and a lot of coverage of, of Wild Beyond the Witchlight in that um, over those two or three days. Um, again, lots of fun. They do some a lot of fun one shots, uh, and then they also kind of have designers and different people on. They talk about things, uh, different releases that they're putting out. And I think some of the there's also that dragon book. I'm really excited about Biz for D and D. Yeah, I love yeah. dragons, so like I'm totally excited yeah. for that. To, I'll buy a couple that new for... dragon types, couple ways to dragon layer encounters. Um, what I thought was interesting, I, I didn't watch a lot of the coverage, but I, I read kind of notes and some follow up and summaries. They talk about in 2022, um, they're kind of changing how monster and NPC stat blocks work um, from like a spell standpoint, and they're building it into like an attack option or an action option. So now like a GM, if they're playing an NPC, that's a spellcaster has to kind of go in and like read all the spells and it just kind of slows down. Cause when you're the GM, you're not as familiar with, you know, an NPC spell list. Like you've got to figure out, okay, what are these? How do I do it? And they've, they're kind of streamlining it to put it into like attack actions. So like a war priest would have the two big mall hammer attacks, and then like a Holy light. That's a, it works just like a spell, mm-hmm. you know, targets a, a spell attack within 60 feet that they can see must make a wisdom save and then this or if failed that but it removes that needing to just be an action and yep. kind of the action economy and they're doing a new book beginning of the year they're doing like a gift set of the rules and they're including this Mordenkainen's um mm-hmm. book of foes or something yep. like that with all of their published material from the last year or two condensed and updated into that tome as far as the new monsters and stuff. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. And maybe we, maybe we save this for, I know we're talking in the future, we might do an RPG focused episode, but yeah, I, I'm totally with you. Like, I think that's a difference. Like if you're running, I'll, I'll say running a module versus running some of your homebrew and maybe Ty, you can quickly touch on this stuff because I feel like if I create the NPC, then I understand like what he's supposed to do. Right. Whereas if I look at somebody in a module, you kind of have to, like you said, you have to read it all and you're trying to get it, you know, whoever wrote that had the idea like, hey, this guy is going to cast this fireball, right? He has some, it's almost almost like wargaming, right? Like, how does this yeah. thing work, right? And and if you're having to kind of figure it out from reading all his powers and spells and stuff, it, a lot of times you, I, I feel like you wouldn't, sometimes you don't play the NPC the way as powerful or as, as tough as they were meant to oh, be yeah. just because you don't. 
you don't see all the options. You're like, it, you're kind of learning it as you're playing it. And you're like, oh shoot, I, I should have used this or I should have used that. Or I should have gave him this buff, right? Um, to do it. And so I really like that idea of just kind of streamlining it so that as a DM, especially when you're running a module and running something, you know, yeah. pre-generated, you don't have to kind of use a lot of brain power to figure out, okay, how am I supposed to play this NPC and what are really his strengths and something else like that. But, um, that's what I see. But I, what I found is like, if you're homebrewing, if I made that NPC, then I know what, how he wants to work. Right. Um, and so, yeah, and, yeah it's, which is a little bit different. Yeah. And to some extent though, you still like, you want to take a, a monster that you know and put it in like i want the party to fight a dragon or an evil wizard i want the evil wizard to be focused on this type of magic but i i you know i don't go through and then take and customize their spell list like i take one of the off-the-shelf archmages and i swap out a spell or two and how many slots they have and i i use that as like i'm big on templating stuff like taking things that are out there and then adjusting slightly um because I, I I believe in as low prep as possible when you're trying to run you know multiple games and like um, just kind of I I like to wing more than I like to prep and that's just how I how I operate um, which is you know every GM is slightly different but that's just what I do so like a book like this is going to be great because it's just going to be all these templates that I can slap in and then you know use however they have updated it to to just be more more efficient like so i'm taking less time at the beginning of that combat to read through all my options and can just kind of there we go here's the fireball attack but i don't have to read the fireball yeah. spell and figure out yeah. what level it's cast at and all this other garbage i can just go yeah you launch as a ball of flame and it explodes and you all take 43 damage okay. make a deck save <laughs> <laughs> cool uh and then the other thing i was uh actually it's funny because at work today uh one of my coworkers made me aware of it is i think is that critical role season three is getting ready to kind of kick off and i think they put out some video giving a little bit of introduction and then i think it's end of this month or whatever it is uh, october 20 something i think is the 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 premiere of the season three so yep campaign three starts october 21st Thursday night, 7 p.m. Pacific. Um, so they'll be on Twitch. Um, they did the state of the role kind of show on Twitch earlier today. Um, I think it was right around noon. And, you know, Travis, Marisha, and Matt uh, talked about kind of the plan. Sounds like most, like the, the original cast will be back. Matt Mercer is the GM. He's been prepping, you know, the new campaign, writing everything. It's set in Marquette which is kind of the um, the like southern land, like lots of sand and like kind of that Arabian Nights feel to like the, the cities and whatnot. Um, so very interested to see, you know, what kind of characters they all are. But October 21st, they're pre-recording all the shows. They talked about still with like some, you know, COVID and um, other scheduling conflicts, just it's easier to pre-record and then put it up versus being live as they're yeah. broadcasting on Twitch. Um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool. And you, anytime a new campaign starts, it's nice. Cause if, if you're someone that hasn't gone back and like caught up, you can start fresh and yeah. not have 200 episodes to watch. <laughs> yeah. And um, the, the fourth, so the last Thursday of every month, they're going to be 
taking off too. So they'll be doing like three shows per month, basically. Yep. Um, to give Mercer a little extra time to prepare <laughs> and some downtime and, and whatnot. So, so yeah, it, it, I'm excited. Uh, it, it was interesting. Yeah. Again, interesting. I just kind of, again, I, I'm not at all a, a critter or whatever at all. Very deep into it. I, I enjoy it and I stay in there. Um, it was, I don't know, it was a little disheartening. There's a lot of negativity just around what I saw right, around their state of the role. Again, I'm sure that hopefully that was a minority of stuff because I'm like there, but it's just kind of like everything. You, you go on Twitter and there's a lot of people complaining about things that it really oh, yeah. isn't like. So it's pre-recorded. Like who does? Like who? Like <laughs> like they're not really like it's not going to really be any different. Like you can still react. I'm sure they'll have a you know people are reacting live as it goes out and things like that. But um, again, I think they're they're I I think a lot of the changes they're making make sense for where they are and what they're trying to do and and it'd still be awesome to watch Matt's storytelling and everything else like mm-hmm. that. So cool. Storytelling. Let's get into the the library segment and talk about what we've been reading, listening, or or watching ourselves. Um, Josh, how about you? You lead us in here uh, with kind of. I think you've got quite the the viewing list between the various streaming services. Um, well, so I'm. Yeah, I, I watched uh, Squ- the Squid Game. Um, I think it's. Korean? I'm not sure. I think it's a Korean yeah, show. Yeah, it's Korean. Oh, yeah, um, it's super good. I, I finished it. I binged it. It was it was awesome. Um, I've been watching uh, Why the Last Man, and uh, at Ty's recommendation, I started watching Secession. Uh, or Succession. Sorry, um, on HBO, and that's I, I'm really digging it. So it's pretty cool um i think that was and i i need to get back into reading uh i haven't really read much lately and i we were talking before the show uh i think i'm gonna dive into some joe abercrombie because i feel like that's a a a niche that i haven't like gotten into yet so and whenever you guys recommend somebody as strongly as you guys have with him uh i i I feel like that's it's gonna be a home run so um yeah i think that's gonna be next to my list i mean i would i would argue there's there's nobody in the last 20 years that i've enjoyed all of their output as much as i've enjoyed everything that abercrombie has has written in the last 20 years awesome yeah, I'm, I, I yeah I think that's got to be next on my list, and uh, I I've been doing a lot of podcasts lately, and I, I I'm getting kind of it, it's, I don't know it's becoming a little stale, so I I think I need something new, so that'll replace my podcast time. I, yeah, I um I don't listen to podcasts anymore, like at all. I, yeah, I'm struggling to find time because I. It's kind of in the way uh, work from home has shifted my my listening, whereas I used to do podcasts more when I was in the office, and now I'm doing like Audible or music or other stuff. Um, But uh, yeah, I still listen to like Rage of Sigmar, Cubic Shenanigans, you know, 
I find that the bits of the show and some of our, you know, our, our friends that we, you know, we, we know that are putting content out there. Um, but I've been doing a lot of reading, um, mix of audible and then, and then actual books. I think I just finished my 31st book for the year. So I'm, I'm only five away from my 36 book challenge for 2021. And I've got four months left. Uh, not no, no, three months. Three. Left. We're at the quarter, three. third quarter. Yep. Um, but I listened to the book 14 by Peter Kleins. Um, very interesting. Uh, didn't end up where I thought it was going to when it started. I don't want to spoil it if anyone wants to check it out, but basic premise guy kind of in a dead end data entry job in LA gets the word of like a cheap apartment. Like that's too good to be true. Um, moves in weird stuff starts happening. And then him and the other residents of the building start investigating what's happening. And by weird stuff, I mean like, um, machine in the walls and like a room that's been locked forever. And like the dimensional space of the building doesn't add up and there's no power lines running into it, but it's, you know, it, it like, um, and then it just goes from there and it goes in very strange and, um, strange and dark places. <laughs> I guess that's probably the least spoiler terrific <laughs> way to, to talk about it. Um, then I went and I read Battle Royale, uh, the book that um, spawned the, the movie Battle Royale and then I think spawned every kind of Battle Royale video game that has made since then about the um, the ninth grade or eighth grade class of Japanese school children uh, that are taken and put on an island every year to fight each other to the death until there's one survivor by their kind of um, awful authoritarian government, um, which convinced me that Hunger Games 100% stole mm -hmm. everything from Battle Royale. Yep. Like there is, I was just no going to say that. Yeah, well, I, there's no I, doubt in my mind after reading Battle Royale, yeah. having read Hunger Games, that whatever her name is, was it Suzanne Collins or Susan yep. Collins? Yep stole literally everything from battle royale yep. and and put it into a slightly different government and like the tributes and but almost identical yep. like yeah well yeah well known i don't know i i figured i thought that was well known not like that <laughs> I, I guess I anybody who didn't know yeah if you didn't know battle royale like yeah, you would, yeah. you wouldn't wouldn't know, but well, I mean, like every like how many things do we U.S. or Americanize, right? It, yeah, I think it was a classic case of taking, you know, how many shows are there that were European or Japanese, and they've turned them into we turned oh, them yeah. into American 100%. American Ninja Warrior. There we go. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> The Office. Yep, yep. Took the the British uh, show because we don't like the originals. Um, we don't. We have to make it our own. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, there's an interesting interview at the end of the book, like kind of an afterwards where he provides commentary. And I don't know when the edition was translated. I think like 2012 was the translation. Um, maybe a little bit earlier, but the book is written in like 98, I think originally the movie was 2000. So, um, and he talks that about like, it would have to be the right situation if a film studio, if, if a Western studio or a Western, you know, like TV 
whatever were to do it, it would have to be a certain way. He like he wants to handpick who does it and how it's done. And it still hasn't happened. So, I mean, you know, here we are 20 some years later and it, it hasn't been um, picked up and optioned by one of the Hollywood studios. So um, then I started doing what I did with the last Abercrombie book, The Wisdom of Crowds. I The third one in this series, I picked up the hardcover because I always I like adding his stuff to my shelf and then uh, on Audible. So I'll listen to a chapter and then I'll read like part of a chapter. So I kind of sync my Audible to paper. I try to do a chapter <laughs> at a time, time so I can just easy to jump, yeah. flip flip back and forth. Um, but I'm I'm still pretty early uh, in, in that first few chapters, but really enjoying it. Just need to dedicate some time. Um, and then I've been binging a lot of shows. So Why the Last Man Dropped, I, I love that comic book. Um, uh, graphic novel series so uh, that was an instant start watching and then on hulu i've, I've been watching only murders in the building with steve martin and martin short <laughs> they kind of riff on yep. true crime podcasts and selena gomez is in it and they there's a murder in their apartment building in new york and they decide they're going to investigate it and do a podcast so they kind of um, it, it is so good. It's, it's delightful. That's like, it. I saw the, like the, the ad intrigued me, like what just, just saw the people on there, but I had really no idea like what the plot was. So that's really didn't, what didn't Steve, grab me. So now Steve you've got Martin, me a little bit more interested. So Steve Martin was a, he's an, he's an actor who had a very popular TV show in like the seventies or eighties. It was not done much, but it was Brazos. He was like a detective. Um, so he's playing a guy that hasn't been big since like the 70s or 80s. I mean, Steve Martin himself has done a lot, but he hasn't been in the spotlight in 20, 30 yeah. years. Like when you think about his heyday, yeah. Martin Short is uh, uh, like a Broadway director um, who would bring these big shows in. And like Selena Gomez is a, you know, millennial, like um, des redesigning her aunt's apartment or something. Yeah. So it's, it's super enjoyable nicole and i are watching that one together um because she's a huge true crime like fan yeah. my wife listens to all sorts of true crime stuff and and reads it and like um probably knows how to murder me in a hundred different ways where they'll never find my body and she'll never get in trouble for it um and then succession uh hbo i watched all two seasons in a week just <laughs> late nights and weekend like hours um tearing through that but it's like rupert murdoch and fox and media conglomerate like company so you have this 80 year old man and his uh four kids kind of fighting for the who's going to be the next ceo what's going to happen in the family business and it's got this kind of dark uh side to it but also humorous i mean there's some really funny lines but it's I think at one point I texted my brother and I said, these are all terrible people. Like I, I don't <laughs> like any of these characters. They're just, they're atrocious in what they do to people and how like being that rich, your viewpoint of the world and like how other people are just there to like serve you. And there, there's a lot of like callbacks to the last few years of our like world and media and society. You know, they reference Bezos at times and they talk about Zuckerberg or, other like businesses but um and uh there's like a senator that's kind of bernie sanders-esque that you end up meeting and it's just it's interesting but um season three comes out here in a couple weeks so i'm pretty stoked to to have the new season 
but that show is is really good and then i started squid game as well i'm a couple episodes into that um in and you know speaking of battle royale and kind of um yeah you know it's it, it's an interesting show it takes a it takes some some crazy turns but i would i would recommend that as well so I do want to sure. call back and both of you guys, and I don't know if Josh, if you read the comic book, but why the last man? I'm super interested in that, but I'm a little hesitant. As, again, I'm. It's one of these worries where I love the comic so much. Watch it. it, it okay, that's all I need to know. Is like, it. one, is it not? It's not gonna like I'm gonna have to do a big mind shift or anything else like that. No, that it's gonna compl- complement it. So um, I'm three episodes in, and it's it's definitely worth watching. Um, not a hundred percent like follows the the book they've changed some storylines and gone a little deeper on some characters and introduced some other ones just for you know bringing yeah. up the tv um but uh very very good show good acting um diane lane plays his mother um the senator who becomes president um his sister hero the actress i can't think of her name but i recognized her from a few things so there's a uh, it's a really good cast, and I found out the ampersand, the monkey, uh, is all CGI. Mm. He is a hundred percent CGI. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, w- I would not have guessed that. That's awesome. Yeah. But worth worth a try. I would I would recommend. Cool. Yeah. No, that's giving I, it a, a view. Yeah. I'd like at it, least it, watch the first one. Yeah. And then if it doesn't grab you, yeah, that'll be good. No, but it's, yeah, it's just it was on my. But I was. It was, you know, you know how it is when you have something you love so much and you just, you don't want to mm-hmm. like, in some ways, spoil it. Right. And, uh, and go down that path. So cool. All right. And I just, I've really only, um, read, uh, fugitive, fugitive telemetry, which is the latest, uh, Martha Wells, uh, murder bot book. Uh, and that's actually a novella. I don't think it's, so I can count it. I can count it in my thing, even though it was only like four yeah. hours long. So it's like, <laughs> but it's fine. I, I, I've talked about the murder. I love the murder bot. And I might even have talked about it before. I can't remember if I, when exactly I read it, but, but that's it. And then I'm in, uh, I'm getting, I'm getting through wisdom of the crowds. Um, I'm, I'm in the, on the downward slope where you get to that point where you can't stop listening, where I'm trying to listen every second I have. Because, <laughs> and I, and I, sorry, Ty, but reading it in sacrilege, like Stephen Pacey has to announce every word into my ear, 1.0 speed. It's the only only thing I ever do at, is this, I am such a, a, a Steve Pacey fan in the uh, way he performs You've never heard the books. voices in my head, Troy. So. <laughs> well, what ha- although what happens is, like, I don't know if you, like, like I immediately like his voice is in my head. Like if I ever go back and read those books, it's always his. You know, it's his voice is always what's in my head, which is hilarious when you have a narrator like that. So, any book uh, I read, it's Ty's voice in my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of creepy. Good thing you're not reading that much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's just dive into Gen Con 2021, our our kind of main topic here. Um, now, obviously, since Josh and I were not in Indianapolis for Gen Con, we don't have much perspective on this other than what we saw through uh, 
Troy and Ben's camera at various times or commentary. Um, but we're, we're, we're going to ask a few questions, Troy, and we'll, we'll pause and, you know, if there's any, any threads we want to pull, uh, we certainly can, but we'll, we'll kind of interview you here about your Gen Con experience. Um, I, I think the, the first thing, uh, is, is probably just give an overview of like, you know, who, who went, um, did you, where did you stay? You know, kind of just the summary of the, the journey to and your accommodations, um, and then what I'd like to hear about is how, how much did the, you know, the, the COVID situation and different protocols kind of change it versus how, how it was, you know, subsequent times. Cause there's, there's gotta be a slightly different feel. Yep. So I'm interested in kind of that impact. Yeah, sure. So we went, Ben came up from uh, San Antonio and I drove down by myself. So we were a very light crew compared to years past where maybe we, had, I don't know, what do we have? We probably had a dozen, right? Oh, maybe even more people, right? From different, uh, close to our group or our extended group that had been in there. So it was really just us two um, that went down. We stayed at the Hilton, uh, which is just, I don't know, like two blocks down from, I want to say north of the thing, but I get my directions messed up. You're right off the circle, right off the... Uh, the circle, but the circle that's, side towards the. That's towards... where we stayed the first year yep. that Josh and I came back mm -hmm. to Gen Con. Yes. in Indy with with you. Um, yeah, yeah. It's an I like that hotel. It's because it it. I mean, idea if you're attached, great, but it, it's a nice hotel and it's not a bad walk and, um, and it doesn't reach out. And we've had a great room. We had a double queen plus a, like a suite. Um, there, there was plenty of hotel rooms this year. I think if you really wanted to, again, again, I think the stuff right around the convention center filled up, and so forth. But there is, there's more hotel rooms. Like there are, there's a couple uh, as the Lucas Oil Field. There are new hotels, a couple of new hotels that I'm built on that. I want to say south. I'm always not sure if I'm going the right direction, but closer to Lucas Oil Field. There are no more hotels that were built up around there. Like a, I don't know if you heard of this True brand. I don't know who who it is, oh, yeah. but True. There's one there, and there's a couple. Other, I can't remember. There's another one that we mentioned that we saw that is new build there. So good news for the future is, is at least there's continuing to be more and more downtown uh, hotel space that coming up there. But uh, this year, I don't. Yeah, I don't think you had a problem finding finding hotel space uh, around that. So. And then kind of your second one, I, it was interesting, as you mentioned, though, the, the first time that you went down, with, which was the return in 2010, because Ben and I were joking a little bit, like, that's kind of what it, it felt like from uh, the numbers perspective. Like, it was, it felt like, oh, hey, it's Gen Con 2010, where there were, because I think their numbers were, the, I think the unique 10 styles, right, they're, they're saying something like 30,000 or something else like that, so probably about 50% of what it was in 2019, I think, is what I, what the, the mm -hmm. general feel was um but that's it so again so like a 20 so lots of people definitely felt like gen con but not the crushing crowds that <laughs> that we've been used to in the kind of the probably since the 50th right since 17 18 19 you know where it's kind of like from wednesday night on right it's every, there's people everywhere right uh, and it wasn't that it was more of lots of people and definitely busy but not the crushing crowds where you could you could walk in the hallways the the vendor hall was busy lots of you know and at certain times 
I would say, especially Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, you'd have the big cross areas where you're kind of like, yeah, you're okay, you're behind some people. Again, not the, I think we've talked about it, like how many times in like 2019, right? You go into the vendor hall, you were like always just like a sardine, right? Packing through. And so, so it actually, right. that was, so it felt good in that respect. Like you could move around um, the big hall, like they had condensed the the footprint. Like, I don't know if, how much they had. Well, they didn't have anything in Lucas Oil Field. Um, from my understanding, because um, and also there was a home uh, Colts game on Colts Sunday. Game on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll get to that one too, which is interesting. But I don't think you know they didn't have that huge presence there. I think they pulled a little bit back from the hotels just because they didn't need as much space. Um, the big, the, most of the activity took place, I think, in kind of the normal, you know, JW RPG stuff in kind of the JW halls and so forth. I don't even know. I. I I didn't venture too much up onto the second floor of the ICC. Now that, you, now that I think about it, you know, which were all those big like Pathfinder halls like that. Mm -hmm. um, so right. I, I can't actually speak to how much of that space was used. I think those were maybe some of the board game rooms or something else like that, but a lot more, um, you know, just more room to kind of spread out and you didn't, you know, you didn't have everything packed, but that big, the big hall, like the ABCD hall next to the, um, the uh, vendor hall where all the games place that always felt pretty, pretty busy, lots of games, but there was always open tables. But even, I mean, even in the past, there's always been, depending on scheduling, right? There's always been open tables, but it felt like, so it's interesting is because I think there was a smaller footprint, even though you had less people, it still felt a little busier than, um, than maybe yeah. it would have, you know, if they would have put 50% of the people in the footprint they had in 2019, it would have, <laughs> it would have felt like a ghost town, I think. Right. So, so it's interesting, like everything kind of contracted at about the same rate as what the the attendance was. So it it really like Ben and I were that was one of the things we talked about. Like it didn't feel a whole lot different, except that it felt like you could take a breath. The one thing like I felt I don't want to I'm jumping ahead on your questions, but <laughs> the only thing that was actually interesting, and I know maybe not for you guys, but for that because you know was the auction the 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 one thing like was the there was no that auction and the auction mm -hmm. store um that was the only like the one thing where like because like normally in years past that always was a place to kill a few hours and do a little shopping yeah. and it was always cool thing, right and that was the only thing like, ben and i were like yeah that's the one thing like we kind of missed um that but otherwise everything else like even the card hall you know all the normal staples the card hall the singing people in the the hall, the dragon balloon thing, like everything you're used to was still there. So in a lot of ways it felt um, very normal uh, to the normal Gen Con. All right, let's, um, let's get into some, you know, the vendor hall you kind of talked about felt maybe was smaller space or did they have all rows still filled? Was, was there like, booths that were supposed to be full that were not um, or was it like only for companies that folded like the ultimate gaming table company like <laughs> yeah i think i sent you guys a picture of their like they still mu they must have had rented a booth before they folded because yeah. they were still with their little sign there it was really sad it was interesting um on some of that but otherwise it was again and that was again in the our, our covid world I, they said there was more space. It didn't feel like there was that much. Like, again, it there was less people. So, like I said, you you weren't like packed in on, in front of people. I shouldn't have put my hand in front of the microphone. You won't hear me. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, 
but they basically contracted the footprint too. It wasn't like they took the huge yeah. footprint and spread all the, you know, spread because I think they were at, I think there were only about 60%, 50, 60% of vendors compared to what it was in 2019. Okay. So again, so, so a lot of vendors yes. that chose not to. Yeah, but it didn't, but it was still huge. It still took Ben and I four <laughs> days to get through, <laughs> get through, you know, because it, it's basically become impossible, right, to make it through the vending vendor hall. So it took yeah. Ben and I four days of our, you know, time to get through the whole hall on some of that. So it, it was interesting. Again, you had about 60% of what the vendor hall was with about 60% of the people. So it felt about, you know, about the same as, as what you were there. So. Were there any vendors that you were like you could tell weren't there? I mean, usually you know the the big uh, ones, but wasn't it like asthma? Day? Asthma. Day, I mean that that was maybe if you were. I mean, I guess I'm not a huge it, that that was one thing you'd you, you didn't see was kind of that whole fantasy flight asthma day like in the past, right? They've had a whole block, right, or whatever you want to call it, were there. So, um, so that if you're you know, so they were they were kind of missing, but some other. What was interesting is it actually gave a little bit of I'll call it breath or space for some of the smaller vendors to kind of spread into that that space and and you know show off their wares um mm-hmm. and i don't i don't know if i've seen real numbers but i think a lot of the vendors that were there were very happy with their sales and and in some ways some of the smaller vendors might actually have you know instead of being overshadowed by some of the bigger vendors that decided not to come this year they were able to kind of make it a little bit of their payday to make it make it through there so i i I think the it was interesting and kind of that. And again, I suppose if you were specifically looking for a certain game or something, I think Ty, we were worried about you're like, you're, was I going to find that game that I got for yeah, you? Yeah, because Modifius had been doing a yeah. lot of their their sales and stuff, and they they backed out. Yeah. I think some of the other European yeah. companies did not travel. Yep. Yeah. yeah, because I don't know, like the Haba booth, I don't remember seeing them right because they're like the kids. But they're yeah. like, what makes me think is that I think they're a German-based company and such. So you could definitely see. I'm sure that there was a lot of, you know, again, it would have been a lot more logistics if you were trying to get into the country and how do you ship your stuff over with the current, you know, and all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so sorry, but uh, not a, yeah, it, I, I, not huge gaps in that. And it was and like, and I don't know if we're gonna hit on it, but like it was interesting and it was like the Catalyst booth was like that was like a super busy booth, right? Um, and I don't know, I think they might have a couple new releases around. I don't know if they had anything around uh, Shadow Run or something else like that, but you know, it's the new like- Battletech is blowing up. And Battle- There's yeah, a lot of people it, playing the new- Yeah, again, they, cause they have the new, like the fast play, actually, that was one of the things Ben yeah. and I did a demo of um, to play with that, but uh, it was it was great for me. Somebody who's seen Catalyst be around for whatever, you know, Battletech yeah. for 30 some years and then Catalyst for whatever, they've been around like 15, 10 years. Uh, seeing that booth with a line, on, I think on Friday or whatever, they had a line coming around that booth and lots of traffic other, and a big footprint. But any other kind of surprising vendors that either had a bigger presence than usual, or you know that kind of caught caught you off guard, like you you hadn't really known about, or um, you know just kind of that that are either new on scene or kind of larger than usual based on other than catalyst as you just kind of hit on um i don't yeah that's i don't nothing that jumped out at me i'll, I'll be terrible with that um as we walked around because I, I don't think there was anything oh, oh you know <laughs> the one i'll mention is there was a giant ebay booth that ben and i are still trying to figure out why what they were trying to sell 
and how they how they so my guess is there were people at eBay that are gamers and wanted to come to Gen Con and they conned their marketing department into paying for their trip. That's the only I we're because like I like right ninety nine percent of the people at Gen Con know what eBay is and probably use yeah. eBay and probably have an account. So I'm not like I don't and then they had like a little bit of a, a storefront where they were showing like some collectibles. Um, yeah. but it's not like they were selling. I mean, it was literally like maybe yeah. two dozen things. That's weird. And it was a mo- this was a monster booth, monster booth, two stories, huge. And then they had this, I'll call it a gimmick. They had like one of those like badge printer things where they, they had a cool background or, or like, I think you could get a custom background. They take your picture and they print out this little glossy picture that of you making uh, some kind of face with a cool background that had a line around the booth for that but i'm yeah ben and i I, we're just i'm still trying to figure out what their angle was how because that had to be i don't know that had to be a twenty thousand thirty thousand dollar booth right like yeah and what and i'm just like what are you selling like i don't like everybody knows what ebay is right like uh, but it was one of the most this a huge popular booth that was in the middle of the (laughs) in the middle of the convention so that's probably the weirdest what was your what was your favorite purchase or, or surprising purchase? Or uh, su- uh surprising purchase. Let me see. I'm like looking at my pictures here to remind me of uh, of what I got. Um, maybe the funnest one is I the last day. Um, it's not even gaming. Sorry, it's um, right. You have to do the. Uh, you have to buy your kids something when you come back. Right, you can't be gone and. Again, this is the thing where Ben and I were like, for four days, you still we still were discovering like new booths or something. And we we're coming around this corner, and they had these little like plastic rubber, also rubber, like glow in the dark dragons that you could like wrap on your wrist as like a bracelet. It was a huge hit with Sarah, so that was like <laughs> that was like the last kind of thing. So that, but that was kind of a fun thing. Uh, I did a random. What was my random buy around uh, the old Space Alert game? Uh, which from uh, Czech Games, and it had been on my list for a long time. And we were just in. It was one of those, um, you know, one of those guys that kind of wholesale games. Like they kind of have a stock, and they're usually. I mean, they're not great deals, but they're always usually you know ten, fifteen percent off. Um, and I, we were digging through in this space, like is it within a corner of the booth, kind of hidden away, and literally not even. Pri- and I'm like the guy asking, like, how much is this? And he had to like go and figure out what the heck the price was. Um, on the thing. So that felt like a little bit of a discovery um, from that. So uh, that's probably it for like crazy stuff. Uh, I didn't buy a whole lot as I'm looking at my my loot. Uh, I bought uh, I bought a lot of beer. Um, <laughs> How about any new games that you saw or demo? Like I, that's the thing. Usually, I love about Gen Con is kind of prepping with what what are going to be the new releases, you know, and and playing some of those and seeing them were there any like games that you were drawn to that were kind of new or shown at gen con I'd, I'd imagine it was slightly different this year like the the game industry is the production seems to have slowed with all of the uh shipping issues but yeah and there there was uh i'm trying to think of some cool interesting things there was this thing called snap ships that looked like a combination of a toy 
where basically not I'll say Legos, but it wasn't exactly Legos, right? Because of trademark, whatever. But you basically bought. And I don't know if they can get it to work. I'm sure they have a little bit of a cash cow. It's almost like the miniature model, right? You buy this model that you then assemble and then you use that model in the game to do some kind of like ship combat kind of thing. We didn't, I didn't spend a whole lot of energy on it, but it looked interesting, interesting concept. Uh, and again, I think that was something that was like prototype. They had some of the models for the, lots of the models of the ships, but I think they're still working on like a Kickstarter for like, how does the whole game go together in the set? Uh, and so forth. So that that was interesting. Um, the uh, other ones we did, it was, as you'll hear, I had a theme around, and you people who know me know I love racing games. Uh, and so we, we did a lot of racing games on, on some of that. And we actually found one of the coolest things we stumbled in, and I uh, I was walking by and I go, you know, somebody was like, oh, you want to do a, a demo of this racing game? And I'm like, oh, sure, of course not realizing that I have my I had my Mach 5 t-shirt on. Um, so I might have been kind of like, like, oh, this is a guy who likes racing or likes cars kind of stuff. I didn't realize until after I'm like, oh, I'm kind of like an advertisement for uh, as a, a racing game uh, uh, customer. So uh, so it was really cool. Kind of, It's called Megapulse, and we did a, a full kind of a demo of that. And then actually it's on Tabletop Simulator. So last weekend we grabbed John and we did it. We did. We ran him through and and uh, used it on tabletop simulator to show him. So it's a little bit. It's a. I don't know. Like for me, it has nostalgia. Like if you ever played Wipeout Excel back on the uh, like PlayStation, kind of the hovercraft racing kind of game. It feels like a really kind of cool board game implementation of it, uh, and has some really kind of interesting mechanics and around how you get boosts and as you do different laps like you you get and it's basically about a hand of cards that has your powers and you're basically picking a couple of those powers each turn to move through and uh and and then the board itself like the track itself has a lot of boosts and and things that you interact with also as as well as the other cars so um it looked like a really good like they're basically at that kickstarter stage they had a really nice prototype uh, all the graphics are out and everything else like that. So that's again one as we talked about. I'm gonna I'm waiting for them to go live in the Kickstarter. I'll probably throw a bunch of money at them, uh, and then wait two years for it to actually be delivered. But uh, but I can still play it on Tabletop Simulator until then. And so 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 that was one demo we did. The other one was uh, again we'll keep the racing theme. And this is one I think I I, I had mentioned before. But Restoration Games has uh, is doing redoing Thunder Road. I don't know if people can see it. I might have to change the, it's up there. The original from 1970, whatever is up there. Uh, and they are redoing that game. And so we sat down and uh, they have, that was a very rough, what we saw. And I would say rough, simple, rough's not the right word, right? Just basic prototype uh, that they ran us through. But it was interesting to see the mechanic, like where they're going to add a few things, but like restoration always does with these older games, just adds a little bit more, more detail. How do you streamline it, make it more, a little bit more fun for that. So that's going to be the, I think it's uh thunder road. I can't think what they call the, the actual name of it. Um, thunder road, uh, vengeance or something like vendetta, I think, or something else like that. I, is the actual I name. just linked it and I, we didn't hit on Kickstarter, but thunder road vendetta hits Kickstarter October 12th. Um, so that is the, the remake. I'd put that in our, our discord thread, uh, maybe a day or two yep. ago. Um, but yeah, so Restoration Games is launching that here in a number of days after whenever this episode drops, probably about a week later. Yep. yep. 
and I will just whatever. I'm just gonna look for everything and just hit go probably on that one. So, Maximum pledge. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna design a racing game and just sell it to Troy. <laughs> many many people have. It's <laughs> as we have. I don't know how many other are back here over here, but your um your enjoyment of racing games and cycling games came up at Bruce City. Uh, somebody <laughs> might have been Kevin uh or Dan somebody mentioned I'm like, yeah, on the Rive or on the Rivet yep. or whatever is the local <laughs> designer and i'm like yeah troy hasn't gotten me to play that one i don't think he ever will <laughs> um but yeah you you and your bike racing and car racing and yeah so would you do, I, would you do scooter racing like kids in a neighbor in a cul-de-sac racing their like kick push scooters um i guess depends depends on the mechanics depends how it goes so if you could build and like soup up your scooter add a rocket to it or change yep. the tire tire tread all right josh we gotta we gotta make a scooter game or the uh what is that uh the the derby racing where they you know it's like a, a box like a oh, pine, pine wood pine wood, pine wood derby, derby. yeah well, but like where they're actually sitting in it um what are those called uh, whatever oh, oh soapbox soapbox there you go soapbox yeah. racing That'd let's do cool. it trial buy it <laughs> the restoration games thunder road thunder road demo. yep any other uh any other demos or new games uh played? not that yeah i not that i'm trying to remember not that i remember that we uh again we didn't dig too much into the board game stuff there. I did find, uh, I didn't know this existed. There was, there's a Rambo, the board game out there. Um, I don't think it did very well because it was at somebody's like, you know, bargain basement, bargain basement kind of thing. Yep. Well, it was one of those where I don't know if it was like, like you could get a whole bunch of stuff. It was like leftover Kickstarters, right? So it was something like, again, it's one of these things nowadays. I feel like you can kickstart anything. And then, but people then realize like these are just terrible games, and then, <laughs> and then you go to Gen Con and like that, it felt like there was a whole booth of this is like here's all these really terrible games, but they're full Kickstarter versions with everything you could ever want for this game that you're hopefully will probably never play, but uh, but you might like again this one Rambo right? Somebody's gonna like Rambo and they're just gonna buy it for that sake. But all right, Josh, any any follow up items on that, or should we let Troy? talk us through the the matchup of the weiss brothers and aos yeah i'm excited to hear uh the aos and 40k matchups so what was really fun and maybe this will yeah so jump in is gw actually had a pretty good presence uh at the at gen con i think over the last couple of years they've been kind of changing it and i think for once what couple of years they had they did have like their full forge they work, weren't there for a couple they weren't years. there for almost i want to say decade right or something like yeah. that and then they kind of came back and then they i think i feel like they had their their forge world booth there at one for a couple of years um now this year they're to this i don't know i'll call it their their whatever it's their warhammer booth so it's a combination of kind of like their storefront um has some of their retail things usually what's kind of new or hot they did have they did advertise like, hey, we do have Forge World, but it was kind of like behind the counter, and they would kind of pull out. And so, and they had a 
I think they might have had. They brought like one or two Warhound Titans in a box, I think I saw. And then they had like one, I'll call it one tub. Sorry for people that are listening to me. One kind of normal, whatever, one by two tub. Um, and then it had, like you could, that had a set of, you know, some of the probably more popular Forge World kind of things. So, so not the old classic, you know, whole booth of just stuff. Um, but really, and then, but there was some interesting stuff. They brought some black library things that maybe were a little bit more collectible. There was some of the, some of their books in there. So it was an interesting booth to kind of explore. And there was some, and then they had, uh, uh, some of the event exclusive models. I think there's a Necron and then there's a, uh, there was a Warhammer. I think one of the, I don't know. I don't know my AOS good enough. Uh, Slaves of Darkness, maybe one of the Chaos Warriors, something like that. That's the, um, the event exclusive models that they had there and some, uh, what was really popular were these, um, Nurgle's like little, um, stuffed animal things, whatever they call the them. Plushy, the little plushies, plushy. the, the Nurgle plushies. Yeah. Were, were kind of, those were very popular and they just had a whole bunch of those things. So, um, so that, that was the booth. And then out in the gaming hall, they had a large set of tables where they were running, uh, they ran some, I think, Kill Team, Blood Bowl tournaments, um, and what's the, uh, sorry, I got to look and find the uh, Warhammer Underworlds tournaments that they're also doing. And a uh, combination of your own, or there was ones where, I think they were like $60 buy-ins, but they basically, they gave you the models to take with you. Like you got a set of Kill Team or something oh. else, which was super popular. I don't yeah. quite get, I get it, but maybe I don't get it. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I guess as you know, for people, maybe who don't play it as much. You're like, Hey, here, you're getting everything to go, but learn to play, get a box, learn to yeah. play and get a box. I, but I'm like, you could just go over and buy the box that you really want. I don't know. So I'm like, <laughs> from the thing. So that was, I, I'm, I'm happy it was popular, but it was, I was a little bit interested because it sold, those sold out immediately. Like there was openings actually for the more of the bring your own tournament stuff. Um, but the ones where you bought were those $60 tickets were gone right away. Um, so they had a large, you know, an area with that. And then, sorry, this long way as you're asking about the, the battles, then they brought, um, I think four tables that are, were the set up with the terrain, uh, that they're going to use for the, the U S open GTs, um, that oh, they're okay. doing this fall. Uh, so they basically had two, two forty K and two AOS. Uh, tables that basically are going to be the examples of what I don't know how many how big those tournaments are. You know, which yeah, New tables. Orleans is happening this weekend. Some, yeah, and, and so and so that was the example of though. And so what you could do is you could buy tickets. They were basically giving you like four hour slots where you could buy tickets for those to just kind of reserve them. Um, I think they were free tickets, but you had to buy the ticket to reserve the time. Uh, so you could just do open play, kind of that. So and there, you know. Ben and I played one day we played 40 K and then the other day we played OS. Cause I don't get to play with Ben very often. Uh, I probably hadn't played those games with him and who knows 10 years or so like that. And I got to try and teach him AOS, which is good because that means I need to learn AOS to, to do that. And, uh, there was a couple, I mean, it, they weren't like packed always tables, but you know, we played and they'd go by and there was a couple other people playing. So they were, I don't think that all four tables were probably never all full, but there was always one or two people playing. It seemed like on that stuff. And it was, uh, I, I think I had some pictures of that kind of cool terrain they've done. They did custom, custom, uh, mouse pad mats, um, that kind of have the, uh, you know, they have the GW and the 40 K or AOS symbol right on them. Um, I'd be interested to know, uh, like, 
who who actually <laughs> like I, my guess is maybe they worked with like Frontline or somebody like that to print out sure. those mats. Like it, it feels like it would make sense to print them in the U.S. and that way you don't have to ship a whole bunch of stuff all over. And we know that those guys have like U.S. based stuff. So um, it'll be interesting. I don't know if it'll be interesting if they ever do their own line of mats that they would would sell. I don't always, know. I've always thought that's a a corner of the market that like if they sold usable four by six or 44 by 60 whatever mm. mats like that feels like just a cash cow like mm. they already do all of the the graphic design yeah. for like the tiles the different stuff and like i i don't get that it, unless unless it's just logistics like keeping it yeah. in stores and shipping it and but even web only, it just doesn't yeah. make sense that they don't produce that. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see if this is, yeah, was this their toe in the water? Cause yeah, wouldn't you, I would pay, especially if you had like the GWIP, you know, 40 K art and the, those mats were awesome. I mean, even the ones they had yeah. were pretty awesome. They weren't like over the top. They were pretty basic, but they were pretty cool. And the fact that they have, you know, 40 K logo on the bottom or the AOS logo on the bottom is, was pretty sure. cool. And then, um, and the so we played 40k on that Friday, I think. Uh, and I brought that was the most work. That was all my prep for Gen Con this year was actually putting together four different armies because I brought I brought all the armies um, with me. Of course, Ben didn't have to do anything except show up and play. Um, so I had to basically make <laughs> army lists for both sides and and pack up all the models. And I borrowed an army from from Ty for AOS to go down there. But on Friday we pay, played 40 K and again, it was the, their mats are the 44 by 60, the new kind of the new size. Um, and I play, I think it was Necrons versus my Gene Steeler cult. And, uh, Ben basically, he played the Necrons and then I played Gene Steeler cult and he basically shot me off the table, which is kind of the normal meta for, uh, Gene Sealer called. I, I also was, I mean, I hadn't played Ben, so I also wanted him not to feel, I'll say I didn't want him to feel bad, but I actually, I didn't pull too many. I, I didn't feel like I pulled well, some, too many punches. Some of that brother competitive, uh, yeah. you know, brother on brother comes out and you can't, yeah. you can't pull punches even in a learning game when you're yeah. playing your, your Yeah. The only thing I might've done is I started out kind of like, I was kind of like, I'm like first turn, we're just going to get our feel for it. And that got me on my back foot. And then once I was on my back foot, I was like, oh shoot, now I can, I, <laughs> now I, I can mean, pull every Tom, trick I want and I'm going to get run over. It was kind of. Tom and I joke all the time. We've both won best sports at large tournaments, but when we play each other, we're like the worst opponent no. ever. <laughs> like we would never get a favorite game no. vote from each other. Yeah. It, well, I like Ben and I, Ice this was good because we hadn't played in a long time, called. but maybe that other brother I have, John, yeah, we when we John and I play, it's never it's not pretty usually. So that's the uh, so that was but that was fun. And again, I I literally like my uh, I really like my jeans color cult army. So it was and we were right on the aisle uh, of the big hall. So a lot of walk by traffic, a lot of people kind of stopping by and seeing things and and got to chat. There were two guys. I want to think it was sorry if I get their name wrong. Stephen Ryan were the guys from GW that were. Um, one and one of them, I think we—I can't remember which one we talked to, but uh, I think he's also going to working the events at you know the the open, the GT opens and stuff like that. So he chatted a little bit and showed us the terrain. Basically, it was interesting for the 40k terrain. They basically had plexiglass um, underneath each each of the terrain pieces, which actually defined the area that was that 
the was you know cover or that the terrain took mm-hmm. effect in because um, it was kind of the ruins terrain and so but every piece had a and he said that's what they you know that's what they're going to do for the the tournament which is i guess for a competitive tournament makes sense because there's no question like this you're in turn you're in the the, the terrain or you're not um and yeah. it's all basically um obscuring terrain so it's the that rule i don't know what i think it's the same and i don't know what it is in aos anymore but in 40k um, you know, if you're on one side or the other terrain, it basically blocks line of sight. But if one, if you're inside the terrain, then you can see in and out of the terrain. Um, so it was interesting. He walked us all at the beginning of it. He kind of walked us through all of it and how that was going to work and things like that. So, so it was interesting. It's not, I'm not playing in the opens, but I think for people who are doing yeah. it, it was, it would have been interesting. It was cool just to see and it, you know, high quality stuff in terms of the paint jobs and, um, and things like that. So, uh, so it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. And it was fun to play against Ben and we just played 1500 points. Um, as you're talking about your size, I felt that was just about right. Um, yep. You know, especially for like a kind of Ben hadn't played in a while, so you know, it took us. We were goofing around again, lots of people walking up and talking and all that stuff. So, it took us three three hours probably to to play through it. Um, but uh, I got I got slaughtered in that one. And then Saturday we came back um, and played uh, AOS, uh, and I I played Ty's Storm. What do you call them? Tide Stormcast. They're Stormcast, but they're the oh, they're fishy Stormcast, Stormcast. But I refer to them as the Deepcast. The Deepcast. They're all the Deepkin bits for the yep. conversions. Yeah. So every converted kind of thing. And then Ben was playing my Sylvaneth, um, and somehow I lost that game too. I think it's just because I have no idea how to play Stormcast. Um, <laughs> it was one. It was it maybe it's going back to our D and D thing. I was lit. You know, I'm reading all the Roar Scrolls, and they have these things have a billion powers. And I'm trying to figure out, like, when am I supposed to do this buff? And when am I do this? You and... needed to make an AOS reminders. Yeah, it's what I should. Out. Yeah, see, that would have helped me. Go to Davis's website. Yep. Uh, there you go. Because I got, yeah, I got slaughtered in that one, too, because the um, the guys on the sharks. Now, that guys on the sharks got beaten up by the Kerneth Hunters uh, is basically yeah. what happened. But And I did not roll well, though. Like, your big captain, huge guy. Like he should have just wiped out the dry, the dryads and somehow he didn't. Uh-huh. Like I whiffed and then he he got kind of bogged down and then that screwed up my whole my whole plan. So I'll give them a talking to when I put them back on the shelf. Yeah, but you did get again lots of comments. A lot you confused the hell out of a lot of people because they'd be walking up and they'd be like, "I thought they were stormcast and whatever." They so again it, that game took three and a half hours mostly because we were talking to a lot of people that walked up and. Um, and enjoying the the two well, I'll I'll say two. I'll give myself a little credit. Two well painted armies that were on the table and nice yeah. terrain. It was really uh, again. That's how that's how I love to play yeah. play miniature games, right? Two beautiful armies, nice terrain, just kind of fairly casual, having fun. Uh, and and uh, there was one guy who was watching us as I'm teaching Ben, um, and he who was, I think he was a played a bunch because he's like i'm like i'm like i'm trying to teach him and do it right and he's like well so far you haven't messed up so i'm like all right good that's my like <laughs> i at least i know that at least the, i got us through two turns of rules without messing up too bad although we did end up screwing up the uh command point rule at some point we forgot to like we ended up at the late turn we ended up with a bunch because at one point we never cleared them like you should like oh yeah your command points because we were playing 40k the day before so use them or I, lose them lose them or yeah. lose them and i think we did for like the first turn and then like between turn three and four we forgot to like wipe them and then we're like but again we both did it so it didn't matter we were just all doing a bunch of heroic actions then um for each other so 
so it's good. And then there is one story just for you, Josh. So, so I think people who, I don't know, see like in my AOS, my little box that I carry around that has my, like I use for objective markers and things like that. I actually use true dungeon tokens as objective markers. And we were playing one, I think it had three or four, four, four different and on there. And this guy kind of comes up and, uh, and he has this kind of like manic look in his eye. Um, and he's kind of like, are you using true dungeon tokens for your, your, your objectives? And I'm like, yeah, I think, yeah, they're, they're just junk ones. I'm pretty sure whatever. And he was like, I don't know. He, this guy was a little, I was worried he was a little bit of a junkie. Like he was a little bit of shaking. Like, can I, should I take a look at him? Are you sure that they're not, you know, I think he was worried. Like I was using some ultra rare, like, uh, like tokens just as things. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure my my friend who knows what he's doing, he's looked through all my stuff and these are these are pretty much there. And and so I actually had to flip them and show him a couple of them and he's like, Oh yeah, those aren't really worth anything. But it was just like he, he just had that look in his eye about like he saw a true dungeon, true dungeon tokens. Junkie. Yeah, and he's like, Oh my god, I might be able to find like a rare sitting yeah, you know, it was, it was Josh it is was in so recovery funny. Troy, so you gotta be <laughs> Yeah. You gotta be careful. He's in a twelve step uh, true dungeon program. I've been out for a few years. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. uh, But I I just enjoyed it. It was just uh, when when the guys, it just, he had this, this this look came over when he realized I had true dungeon tokens I was using for just random, you know, objective counters. Uh, It was, it was kind of fun. So I had to share that story. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, expensive swag for gaming accessories. So maybe we do need to like, you know, use like a platinum chip or like, you know, something for our objectives. We got to upscale a yep. little bit. Let's custom, custom made, engraved challenge coins. All right. <laughs> so, um, any any board games that you guys played? I know two players. Sometimes it's tough to get like. Um, yeah. No. We much, well. You know, we we had a few, much, and, and yeah, maybe that course. it's good to loop back. Like there one. One thing that it did know, like there were not as many, and Ty, I think this is when you even signed up. And one of the things that maybe I know there's other things in your decision, but there were, it did not feel like there was a lot of events to sign up for. Like there was, there was plenty of things to do, but there, you know, even when you were there, there wasn't like you'd do a look at the the online catalog and they're just, you know, a lot of times there's random games or at least some board games, but there was not a lot of slack, uh, in the events at all of, um, and I think that was because they didn't, they only let like major clubs do put events in as groups and things, you know, so they weren't ever dealing with individuals running games or anything else like that. Um, and that was something we noticed, like there wasn't, again, there, when we got, we had some events and we had everything, you know, plenty of time to do stuff. Um, but it did feel like there was a lack of, of events for people to sign up for. And I think some of that might've been intentional to try and keep, you know, keeps kind of the crowd down and something in less interaction yeah. of something like that. I don't know how much was intentional and how much, you know, how much not knowing where we were going to be with COVID, how much they could do and, and how you do that. But, uh, but we ended up playing again and maybe I'll, uh, you'll hear a racing theme again. <laughs> so we did end up playing, um, a formula day, which is, uh, the, like the formula one, uh, racing game. And I just love to play it at cons. Cause it's, it's like, you're playing with like, I don't know, I think there was eight of us, like eight people, 
you know, there's only so many times you can have that many people playing in, a, in like a racing game like that. It's awesome to kind of do that. We had a really, a really fun competitive game because it was a good mix of people who had kind of played before. Uh, and so we got through, uh, played pretty fast and everybody, everybody, and they, again, everybody was, it's kind of helpful around making sure people can move their cars as you're reaching around the table and everything else like that. So, uh, it was one of the bat, real, real fun games I've had at Formula Day. Sometimes you, you, have trouble early and then you're spending a lot of time just racing around in the back but uh there was a lot of, of the we're bunched up and stretched out and a lot of strategy going on and really came down to the end between three guys who was going to win one of which was ben ben actually had it he came from second in the in the back <laughs> all the way with a chance literally a chance to win at the end on a die roll um and i think he had to roll over 11 or something else like that and, and couldn't do it. so he ended up taking second but going from second to last the second was good uh, I went from last because I started last, I think, to finish like uh, fourth or fifth, uh, which was that. So that was fun. Um, and then we ended up, we play, also played Downforce, which is a game I think, I don't know if you guys have played, um, that's also Restoration Games uh, remake, which is kind of a, a bidding. You know, There's a gambling part to the the racing is we're actually moving all the cars with a card, uh, with different cars that have all the movements on. So you move everybody's cards as part of yours and you're always trying to find the, uh, the the happy medium of moving your car more than everybody else's, and then you're betting on who you think is going to win, um, which and then the total winner. You don't necessarily have to win the race to win; you just have to get the most money, which gives a combination of your race winnings plus your betting winnings. So, uh, so that was fun. We did that with a couple new guys and a couple experienced players. So it was it was fun on on Saturday night. Um, and uh, what was the any, other any non ticketed? Ben and Troy game. Uh, yeah, we like, did. We did. We, we played uh, Seven Wonders Duel. Nice. On uh, actually, we did it on our phones while we were eating, <laughs> uh, which was an interesting adventure. And I won. I, somehow I won, and I don't know how because I was having trouble with my inter- figuring out the interface on my phone for like the first whole era. In you know, Seven Wonders has the three different areas. I literally was playing like random cards for the first ter- first era. Uh, before I kind of figured it out and some, I, I'm oh. like, Ben, how did I like, I have no, idea. I think I was having, I probably just, uh, confused him cause he couldn't figure out what the heck I was doing. But, uh, so we did that. We did play, learn how to do, uh, the space alert game. We, tr- we played a, a kind of, kind of tutorial one night, uh, to get, like, get our, get that started with, then that's kind of co-op, um, game where you're, um, what's the right term for it? It's programmed movement. Basically you, 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 there's a time limit and you basically have to decide how you're going to move all your, your people and, and androids throughout the ship to either fire weapons or do shields or do power. And, and you do that in a timed kind time limited, uh, phase. And then you play back those movements with the actual aliens attacking and you see if, can you save the ship or do you get blown up and things like that. So, a uh, fun game, uh, but co-op that kind of scales between two and like six players. And I think that's about, I'm trying to think if we played anything else. That might have been, uh, I feel like we had a couple other games we played with ourselves, but that might have about it. Cool. Josh, any other questions for uh, Troy's Gen Con? No, it sounds like a great time. Hopefully next year is back to complete normalcy. Um, looks like it's the first weekend in August. Yeah, I think back it's to like the fourth summertime. The yep. So back into the summer. Yeah. So it was nice that it was not like 
brutally hot. It was gorgeous. <laughs> it was literally high seventies, maybe eighty on Saturday. Um, so you didn't like, yeah, you didn't sweat every time you stepped out of the building, which was awesome. The Georgia Street with all the food trucks was there and was awesome, and and uh, not crazy lines. Uh, Josh, you don't know how hard we tried to find something to get you from Hotbox, but they did not have they didn't have t-shirts your size. Otherwise, you were totally getting a t-shirt. But would have been so mad. Uh, we were talking about. Then we almost went like we should get t-shirts for his kids that we he could he, they have like they would wear them around him just to like fantastic. Yeah, we were so close, but we couldn't. They didn't quite have the sizes we we were trying to pull off. So. Um, so yeah, Georgia street was good. Again, Sun King was there every night doing their, uh, doing their beers, uh, and, and stuff like that. It was interesting. I think there was something you guys had touched around like downtown. There's a lot of changes downtown and just kind of the restaurants and, uh, there's new ones, old ones. A lot of stuff was kind of maybe partially open. I mean, kind of like everything we're seeing all, all across the whole country. Right. And, uh, most restaurants were probably a little bit understaffed. They were probably only running about maybe 60% of their tables, um, just with their wait staff. So, uh, I, we didn't have any problems with service or anything else like that, but I, I, like, I don't think they, if they would have had a full blown 60,000 person Gen Con, I don't think like they, they would not have, I don't think they could have fed everybody. Like I, I think they really would have struggled with, uh, just the capacity, like what they, what they had was perfect. I think the, you know, I'm like, even the food trucks were probably a good way to kind of take the pressure off of nearby restaurants and things like that because, sure. um, but it, and then it, it is just kind of like, you were seeing it everywhere, right? It's just so many people are looking for, for workers and service and servers and things like that. So, um, I, I mean, I tipped, tipped very graciously for the people I have, cause it felt like I saw the same, like we went into the new Ram, which is now, um, what did I, it's like good, uh good something good me good good wood yeah good wood which is the new old ram and uh i felt like i saw the same staff there the two you know the two days we went in there it's some like the same poor overworked staff that then was going to get hammered for the colts game on sunday i'm sure uh for that so so uh yeah interesting again cool. there's lots of new stuff it's gonna be interesting we, i think we go back because there will be uh lot of changes and just in what is you know some of the hotels have been remodeled uh the westin and um mm -hmm. one of the other ones and things like that so um so it'll be uh what everything old is new again or new is old again whatever it is so all right gen con 2021 true i think that was a good uh a good wrap up and summary <clears throat> um let's get to the 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 real fun of this episode the return of play it or slay it uh warhammer plus now uh full disclosure i believe um josh and troy are current subscribers i am not uh josh has a one month yeah i just purchased one month for this and troy <laughs> troy yeah, for research all right for research research purposes i'm gonna uh you're doing your own research right the basement of death is going to recoup me uh you know somehow so. yeah it'll come out Maybe of our beer right? i think it'll i got you some yeah i think there is some beer bucket. that was uh just uh donated yeah 
we got to see how the the fiscal year ended here and then uh, see what we can <laughs> expense for next year. And then, Troy, you have an annual 12-month yep. subscription. Yep. And I do not currently have a subscription. So full editorial kind of, you know, like who is a subscriber, who isn't before we get into it. Yeah, um, we're we're making sure we're was it the F was it the SEC FCC who cares about when we do this? I, yeah, F, FCC probably doesn't know that yeah. we exist, but if they did, we just want to make sure we're covered. <laughs> um, so the the question really is just where does Josh fall? Right, that's that's where we're gonna I end think, up. Yeah, yeah. So and, and <laughs> so let's let's talk about what Warhammer Plus is. Yeah. Then we'll talk about what it is not. And then I, I think I have a few a few areas of concern that I'll bring up and you guys can either tell me, Ty, you're you're wrong. That's just pure speculation as you sit in your basement uh raging against the world, or that, you know, if they're kind of kind of accurate or not. But Warhammer Plus, a recently within the last few months, um introduced I I guess app subscription like service i i don't really know um you go to you know the the warhammer community page and you go to the warhammerplus.com and it kind of breaks down what you get they refer to it as warhammer plus the ultimate service for warhammer fans there's a video to see the benefits of the subscription you can subscribe and then of course enter your information and get billed and then forget about it and probably get billed for another year and another year, and another year, um, until they run it into the ground. I think it breaks down to, if you do the year, you get it for basically the cost of like 10 individual months. There's like two months free, and then an individual month runs you about $6, um, and the year is like 60 if if I uh, yep. yeah, I think reading it's, yeah, this so correctly. It's the annual, it's like $5 a month, 6 if you're um, doing monthly. You get access to uh, exclusive animations, so they have um, new animation shows. Currently, I think it's just 40K based, 41st Millennium. I don't think they have any AOS uh, animated content yet. Uh, Hammer and Bolter is a mix, I think. Okay. But I think, okay. I, I, but I bet you it's whatever, 70. I, I'd have to look at all the shows, but I think it's, yeah, it's probably 70, 80, or four four out of five or 40K, and one maybe a fantasy one. Then they have premium weekly shows. So some of the stuff that they used to have on like Warhammer TV on Twitch with some slight changes. So Lore Masters, uh, Citadel Color Masterclass, so the painting, and then Battle Report, uh, where some of their presenters will will kind of do more of the um, you know, turn by turn analysis and, and army building. Loremasters Wade Price, I think, is hosting that one, and he does kind of a breakdown of some of the more prolific characters from Warhammer, Warhammer Forty Thousand, um, like they did Teclas. Um, the masterclass, the painting, is Luis uh, Sugden, I believe, doing various painting faces, orc flesh. I think this week is. Um, like a power sword blending uh, with wet bend, wet blending with glazes, but very specific kind of how to paint. Um, and then battle report, you know, turn by turn battles. Uh, the apps for 40K and the beta app for AOS, uh, where you can get your rules, list builders, um, points, whatever else. Um, 
and then I think the last thing is the vault. So you can explore old white dwarfs or some of their publications, um, painting guides, so on and so forth. But that that is uh, the the content on the the actual like online or through the app, which you can watch. Then you also what is it? After a year, you get a, a model. Is that right? After your one year, yeah. I believe. Yeah, right. I I don't know exactly. Yeah, I think or if you subscribe to the annual, I'm not sure exactly when you get it, but you don't. Yeah, it's for a little while. It's not right away. You get it later. Like a Vindicare assassin up in like a yep. statue, and then uh auric uh one of the orc mega bosses in a different pose with a huge axe um it's kind of a cool model i want to try to get it without um having to subscribe i'll see if that's even feasible <clears throat> but um did i miss any of the the content access to apps the content and the model you might even get a voucher for like five or ten bucks for using at a gw shop yeah, I think yeah, I think that's it. There's, I should actually look because I don't think I don't know what I have to look and see how I use it or find it. But, <laughs> um, so anything you guys want to lead into about what you've seen or what you've watched? You know, um, like quality of the the content. Um, any commentary there? I haven't watched anything yet. And any two, um, I uh, full disclosure, I I purchased this today, so uh, I wanted to see what it gave me access to and like what I could kind of dive into right away. Um, and I I realize there's there's videos and stuff out there, and I I will go back and look at them. And I've heard good things about that, so I didn't I didn't feel like I needed to look at it look at some of the the videos or animations or. Um, any of the painting guides because I I feel like those are those would be positive things, right? Um, yeah. yeah. So, Troy, have you been um, watching? Yeah. So, and maybe this will this will be interesting because it's interesting as we were again we were doing a little bit of a pre talk. <laughs> um, so my angle on this was totally the animation. Uh, like that's where I looked for value and what sucked me in. And so I have I've I have not I've watched I think two or three of the, of the series that are out there which are Hammer and Bolter which is uh, each episode is kind of a single story kind of like the idea of the Hammer and Bolter uh, publication back in the day so it's um, you know short whatever it is I think they're you know maybe 10, 15 minute um, animations uh, and they are more of a I'll call them a cartoon animation style whatever that cartoon's probably the wrong thing but that that's basically kind of um, and some of them are a little different. I'm not sure if it's always the same group on that. Uh, those are, those are entertaining. I don't know if they're anything, none, none of them had like jumped out at me. It's like, Oh, that's really kind of cool. Um, they're kind of, they're fun. They're 40 K they're that the, uh, the first series that's kind of out there is the angels of death, which is again, CGI, very stylish. It's if people have seen the trailer, right. Very kind of black and white with, and then they use red as, an accent across a little bit, a little bit like kind of the um, Frank Miller. What's the movie? Give it to me, Ty. You got it. Um, Sin City. Sin City. Yeah, a little bit like not exactly, but that kind of idea where you use color um, in in uh, in different things because it's mo- again, it's not completely black and white, but they definitely 
have most stuff very muted except that very high quality CGI um, stuff like that. Absolutely love that series. If if I'm gonna get you Ty, that's that that animation is like it, the first one was like oh they're kind of setting it up, and then at Gen Con basically one I think it was Saturday night late night. Um, I, with Ben, I threw it on the TV, and we we and we ended up binging uh, all the episodes that were out, which was up the the two or three. Um, and then I'm pretty sure Ben said, "You got me. I subscribed because I have to keep seeing how the mm-hmm. story goes." Um, so that just that one animation was enough for him to buy in for the fi- you know five dollars a month around yeah. that. And and again, that's just scratching the surface. And that there's you know they showed I think whatever there's twelve different series that they have plans for to release uh, throughout the, in the coming months, years, whatever that it tends to be. Um, so that's really kind of where I have, I've watched uh, a little bit of Louise uh, and, and her painting tutorials. I think she does a great job. I'm a big fan of hers. Um, but I don't, again, I think there's a lot of places you can get painting uh, guidance and things like that. So I, to me, that's a bonus. It's not, not something that I like said, Oh, that's really why I'm going to, jump into her that's kind of a bonus for me and the other thing that again is a bonus which i really like is that vault like and again some a lot of the as a collector being able to go back to some of the old publications for the old rules whether that's you know the old uh space wolf book or something and just be able to read the because again you don't care about the rules but there's a lot of really cool fluff and fiction in those books to really so that i i think again would i subscribe for that no but i think it's a cool bonus and just makes me feel like i'm getting more for my money so I was I was going to go there next. So the yep. the viewing, kind of asking you both the the vault, will go there. So yep. I know Troy. It sounds like you're flipping through it. Josh, did you look at that at all? Like, what's the accessibility like when I when I think Warhammer and I think publications and old white dwarfs? Like, is it just a random? They're throwing random stuff at you, or do you go select the publication and then like have to self curate, or what's what's the setup like? Yeah, so they have, um, so there's a, a lot of stuff in there, um, you know, different supplements and different, like, um, kind of background information from different books and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, a whole bunch of white dwarfs. It looks like right now, it looks like back to 2019. Uh, maybe there's more. Um, yeah, for no. right now it just looks like back. Yeah, in I think they're they're yeah. they're slow. They're yeah, slow. They haven't they didn't release the whole backlog. I think it only goes back, and it might it'll be interesting to know. I don't know I'm how sure many that's they have when like, they started digital. Right. Editions, yeah, I don't right? know. They, some of them yeah. they might have to actually sure. figure out how they they might actually have to do work <laughs> to get other and ones digital. Yeah, anything older. Yeah, um, and that's unlimited. There's no like extra pay, or is there like you have to in app purchase like backlog? That's all just included. Yeah, it looks like it's included. Yeah. Yep. Um, you had a lot of different um, images and stuff from different books and things. Um, uh, these Warhammer Visions. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> you didn't. You, it, ever, you ever bought Warhammer Visions? Uh, they were. They were. They were a huge failure as a print magazine, <laughs> but they are interesting uh, as a as a kind of whatever as a bonus uh, digital. It's right because they were just basically minute them miniature pictures very much the art and and pictures of miniatures and painting so again it's useful as uh reference material if you want to go look at it for but that's what those they're basically were magazines that were just you know 
glossy versions of what you see in White Dwarf, but it was just only the miniatures and pictures of different miniatures and cool paintings and painters and, and things like that. So that was in the old, the, the dark days when White Dwarf was just this little pamphlet. And then you had that plus the, the visions, which was then a, a little pamphlet of just the miniature pictures. But Yeah. It, it, but yeah, it looks like there's a lot of good pictures in some of those visions magazines. Um, yeah, like the old. I, I remember getting this when I first got into Age of Sigmar with that that painting guide. Uh, I don't know, it was not super thick, but yeah, there there's some of that in there. Some Shade Spire and Beast Grave stuff. Um, yeah, just a smattering of of interesting tidbits and, and magazines and source material so kind of cool i mean i think that's a nice little add-on um i don't know that i would buy warhammer plus just for that but um sure. you know some people yeah. might uh but it's definitely cool what about the app? Have either of you tried to use the 40k list building rules or the AOS? beta list building rules because that's probably the that that's oh. the most if you look online like the hot button issue right now is quality of the app and, and problems with like the app the 40k one which should be like at a release level of use having bugs and problems and the aos one being a beta so give them a little slack but replacing an app that a lot of people used in azure or War Scroll Builder, which may not be supported moving forward. So have either of you dabbled or looked at the, the apps, either of the two? I played around with the Age of Sigmar app, and I was like, oh, this is like very similar, almost the same as, uh, yeah, the other app. Um, the AOS you know, the War Scrolls app, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, Azure or whatever. Um, it, it does have the create an army in there, and I haven't messed around with that. If, you know, I, it, I'm assuming it's all pretty accurate, hopefully, right? Um, but that not, I mean, hopefully that stays, it, it, I guess it doesn't really make sense for that other app to stay free. Um, they they're decommissioned. Azure is yeah, is not being supported. Getting, yeah, Nothing got, new is going into it. They didn't cancel okay. everyone's subscription. So if you haven't gone and actually stopped paying a dollar a month for it, do so because it's now unsupported. <laughs> if you're playing 3.0, it won't do you any good. If you want to play second edition AOS forever and pay a dollar a month, go for it. Right, right. That would have been the um, thing to do. Hey guys, we're gonna stop making people pay for this. And can't, but that—that's the story for another day. Yeah, and well, I'll, and, right. can, and I, well, I'm not gonna because I don't know, but I wonder if there's a little bit of Apple or somebody in that that thing where they 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 don't have entire control of how you cancel people's thing, and I'm sure Apple still wants to take their slice, so probably. <laughs> um, I I do hope they continue War Scroll Builder on the website, um, because doing this. On, on an app, I don't know. I always, I always do my my army building on the web, 
because it just I, I I don't know having that screen and being able to flip back and forth to, between stuff. Um, if they get rid of War Scroll Builder in favor of this app, I that might completely lose me for AOS. Um, I, I don't want to have to pay five dollars a month to build a list for an army I already bought. You know, like that. That would really put a bad taste in my mouth. I think. Um, so yeah, hopefully they keep continue with War Scroll Builder um, on their website. But yeah, I don't know. So I, Roy, I how about your take? I on haven't the done. App? Uh, I I did do. I did all the stuff you talked about. Where I like switched over to the new app, and then in the 40k app too that you you kind of redid it. But I haven't actually used them. And when I went to Gen Con, I used Battlescribe <laughs> to like to build my list because that's what I do. Like I'm like you, Josh. I wanted like I want to be. I, I go on a computer and I want to do it. Um, and battles in between Battlescribe and AOS Reminders, that's kind of my my go to. I sometimes I forget like that. Um, War Scroll Builder is there on the the website for because I don't do play AOS as much. Um, and and again the 40k app it kind of always sucked. So I, I kind of went back and used Battlescribe anyway. So, so that wasn't, I totally get where people are at though. Like if that's your, like your draw, um, I mean, I would feel like they, that I'm not getting my money's worth. If that's, if that's why I'm subscribing is because I want the, the apps. I feel like they they are, I will agree that they're kind of dropping the ball there. Um, but that's not my, like I went into it as in, like I said, an anime, like I wanted the animation and contact, um, content creation um and i was just like oh by the way you get the app too for free that's kind of cool but uh, i definitely can understand how there'd be frustration if if that's where if they're basically you're taking stuff away and hiding it behind a paywall i i could definitely uh, understand that frustration it, the app's okay um just from a usability standpoint a ui standpoint it's it, it's very similar to um, you know, the other app, okay. the Azure or whatever. Um, I, I don't know. I've, I've never really liked that style where, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like you're drilling into stuff and then having to go back and then drilling into other stuff and, you know, there's stuff across the bottom and I don't know. It just feels a little not great. So, they, so the UI is not my favorite. So sight unseen, I personally haven't even looked at it, but what I've heard is that the app is is poorly laid out uh, for the, the yeah. order in which you can access factions and find information. And I've heard it is not easy to set up for use like, you know, tableside while you're playing games, um, like to, to reference and get information. Now, if, if I'm a big multi-million dollar company i probably outsource my app design then try to do it in-house to get you know experts of like ui ux interfaces and like a you know customer experience take like okay what what do we want to portray here and i probably pay the money to do that if i'm going to charge for it um i probably don't try to in-house limited development team not a lot of insight into like apps and user interface do it myself but i'm not games right. workshop um i'm just ty a customer that is not going to buy a garbage app 
but I won't play it or slate yet. But no. um, well, I've and I don't know. Like I don't even like. Do you think they're even doing it in house? Is that what they've said? Or I just think they went to a I'm, shitty company I, to know. do it. Like I'm pretty sure they're <laughs> doing it in house. That they have developers. I, I don't. I well, don't why know would you? I guess fact, I totally. But, I would like. That's not their. Again, yeah. Sorry, I'm not a. Well, but that's so, not their. So that's that's not their I'm, core competency. Why would you have like? Yeah, you're not a software right. development shop. Why well, would you try and? So do So that's it? one of my takes on this whole Warhammer Plus. Is they're they're not a entertainment company. They're not a um, a broadcast or communications company. They're they are a game company they make models and they make rules like the the whole fact and the whole premise of this is that they are all of these other things now that they're a platform that they are a media company that they are not you know they're not selling their shows to netflix to go make a an awesome high budget netflix animated movie or series um i know they have partnerships you know we've seen marvel we've seen has like Yes, they're they're doing some of that, but this to me feels like they're not a company that their business model is Warhammer Plus. So like to me, one of the detracting factors is longevity, you know, subscribing to something and and how long will they support it? How long will they keep, you know, it it going? And then does it just become something you forget about and pay for like a gym membership or like, you know, like yeah. once once the new season of Ted Lasso is binged on Apple Plus, yeah, I pay for my year, but I don't use it. Like that's, or will they keep doing? I wish there was a little more clear of a roadmap, so you know you could see what's coming when, so you knew. Like, is it worth it? Yep. So I will. I'm, I'm maybe also I'll, go ahead, Josh. I, I, just one other thing I want to harp on. Um, I, when I was signing up today, I wasn't sure what I was getting. And and I, I didn't watch the little video, right? But I felt like there should have been like a bulleted list, like here's what's included. And it just felt like it was kind of scattered. Like I wasn't totally sure what I was getting into. Um, and then also they, they hype up this miniature. Like you, <laughs> you have to select one or the other when you're signing up. Um, it wouldn't let me continue without selecting one. Oh, okay, cool. I'm getting this miniature. Um, and then you read the fine print. Oh, you don't get the miniature until you after 12 months has elapsed. And I'm like, oh, well, then why make it that important, right? Like, <laughs> send me an email when oh, my 12 months is almost up and say, oh, hey, you're getting this miniature, by the way. Which one would you like? You know, like, we don't... Don't make it this big thing up front that I'm gonna. That was frustrating. They're I thought I was getting a miniature in. like in in the next month. They're sucking you in, Ty. That's or Ty. Right. Josh. It was the... just. It was sort of annoying. Um, there is an FAQ yeah. hey. at the very bottom, Josh, that answers some of these questions for us. At the very, very bottom, after you scroll for what feels like five minutes, past all the videos, past all the register for this, past all the exclusive models and the advertisements you get to an FAQ. Um, but right up top is the subscribe to Warhammer Plus and the, the pricing. And then you got to yeah. scroll all the way down to see the FAQ question. What do I get with my... And I mean, it's a lot of scrolling. Uh, 
what's included. And Josh, let me answer for you based on their FAQ, what you get. <laughs> please, please do. <laughs> you get an ever-growing collection of animated Warhammer series. You get weekly Warhammer TV shows featuring battle reports, lore investigations, and painting masterclasses. A digital vault of Warhammer lore and magazines. Subscriber access to Warhammer apps, including Warhammer 40,000, the app, and Warhammer Age of Sigmar, the app. Premium access to our official events. Not sure what that means. Exclusive subscriber offers. A free exclusive Citadel miniature every year and the opportunity to buy a second different exclusive miniature as well. As time goes on, even more features will be added to your subscription. However, we don't know what any of them are, and we're kind of winging it, so hang on to your butts. All right, Ty, I'll, I'll slice that out and send it to GW. As the, I think you just did the perfect <laughs> promo. Point. Yeah, promo for him. That's like, <laughs> you were in total announcer hang voice and everything butts. else. Yeah. Okay. That last part of the last line about it's really just as time goes on, even more features will be added to your subscription. I I did ad lib a little bit, went yeah, off script. I think you hit so. the same, you hit the same thing. So Mr. James Workshop won't yeah. won't be pleased. You were that was a good James Workshop invitation. You were almost like right on it. But it, yeah, so they do have a lengthy FAQ. Um, when and how do I get my free miniature? You select your free miniature when you purchase your Warhammer Plus subscription. Once you've been a subscriber for 12 consecutive months, so not, not 12 months, 12 consecutive months, we will email you to tell you how to claim your miniature. We'll even ship it to you for free, no matter where you are in the world. How about that? What if in 12 months I decide, you know what, I actually want the other miniature. I stopped playing AOS. You can buy I'm, it. I'm playing 40K now. You said you have a chance, the opportunity to buy it. Right, but it's silly that I have to figure out which one I want now. Well, they have to print them. 12 months in advance? Yeah, it's tough now. Uh, I have other questions. Who can I ask? Please call or email your friendly local Games Workshop customer service team for help. Contact details can be found here. So, Josh, when you get there... Um, there's a customer service uh, phone number for the U.S. customer service that you can uh, call and discuss that with. Fantastic. All right. So I do want to. So, so I'm going to give you. I want to yeah. get what you said, Ty, because as around, I do. Want, I'm, and I don't know this for sure, right? But I, my guess is this could be a ploy, a ploy, a, a plan. Maybe a ploy sounds bad. Like they're trying to do something. Like I, I think there's some executive VP or somebody there who doesn't agree with you in that games workshop is a game company. I, I, and maybe they also see writing on the wall with 3d printing or whatever in that GW is an uh -huh. IP company. Right. And, and in order uh -huh. for them to evolve, they need to take, and this is always right. They, they need to evolve into the, take advantage of the IP they have and everything else. Cause you know, printing miniatures or creating miniatures might actually not that market who knows where, where we're going to be in five years from now. Right. Everybody's going to have a 3D printer. Everybody's going to have, and maybe this is a way to try and figure out, can we, how would we survive? Could we survive by taking advantage of the IP, which we still own, right? And telling the stories and going into different mech, you know, yeah. you know the paper and the animation and stuff, well, that'll still be there and that'll be a revenue stream and, 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 and we could still make game rules, but maybe we're not, we're not getting as much income from 
you know, making plastic toys anymore. I, I don't know. Right. I, I think this is an angle and this is an experiment in some ways. And that's yeah. why there is a little bit of like, you're not seeing a roadmap out there because I think they, they're trying to figure out like, again, how much, how many subscribers do they get? How much money are they generating? Cause it has to feed itself at some point. Right. And you don't want to overcommit right around what's going to come out. So I think it's interesting, right? There's, it's going to be an interesting experiment to see how it kind of goes. And so I definitely can understand where people want to know and right, you want certainty and there's it, people hate ambiguity, but uh, I think there is also a business plan behind here where there, this is an experiment and they hate, they, they couldn't say that. They're not going to say that, right? This is a big experiment and we're going to take your money <laughs> and, yeah, and experiment with experiment, it. But, but please give us 60 bucks a yep. year and yep. we'll keep billing you even when the experiment ends. Yep. And, uh, but uh, that they're a business, right? That's yeah. what, that's what the, that's what all yeah, businesses no, do no, in some respects. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. And and I I agree that they're trying to to keep up with um with the times, you know, as as they say. I just think there are there are other companies doing and other content creators doing all of this better. That would be my my argument for like they they're not doing they're not besting class for any of this that I'm seeing in Warhammer Plus like there are better TV shows and series and movies and you look at like obviously Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast is an entirely different monster but like selling film rights to serious Hollywood studios to make a movie right like there there are games smaller companies like judgment and others that do better like list construction or rules free online and part of it is free online because you're trying to get people to buy your game and gw probably is now at the point where they don't care if anyone new buys their game because <laughs> that's how it feels though is like this paywall barrier to me you know and then from a like a painting video Luis is is phenomenal she's great like you know she's a good presenter but you look at how many they've they've gone through and what other people are doing like duncan's youtube videos angel heraldi's patreon um vince ventrella's hobby cheating like there is so much in that space that is arguably better produced and and like more often produced and i just i don't know i i I'm struggling with the if, if you're gonna package me something as an experience and sell it, it better be freaking good and it better be the the best out there. Like otherwise, I'm gonna go somewhere else to get it. I mean, I'm also it's five. I won't, I won't use an explosive. It's five bucks. It's a cup of coffee. Like I think the value you're getting for five bucks, like the it's way way past that, right? Isn't I mean Apple TV is ten, Netflix is fourteen, you know Hulu is Hulu, Disney Plus, and ESPN Plus are thirteen. Like that is exponentially more for like two times more the cost. So I, I guess that's what I'm basing it on. Like I know we often talk yeah. about a game at twenty bucks and a pizza. Yeah. For for me, I agree a hundred percent with you. This isn't a huge buy-in, yeah. but comparatively to other offerings it doesn't hold a candle to like the amount of content and what you're getting with like a Hulu or 
Netflix or, you know, I mean, yeah, it's no, so limited. And I would agree, but that, it, I think it's also apples and oranges. Like it, it's a, there's no economy of scale here. Like we're a niche. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's no, remember, I, I mean, there's niche. still, yeah, you know, absolutely. James, James work, James workshop, games workshop is a, you know, million, million dollar company, but it, we're a niche. Like we are right. They can get a hundred percent of, right. Of, of, of the players to subscribe. And we're going to be like, I don't know, 1% of the Netflix, right? Like, so at some point, no, it, right, it's, it's, it's not to I scale, was, but, I was but again, but entertainment and services, pay, pay to watch, right. pay to view, pay to stream yeah. services that are out there that I compare that yeah. $5. And, to and that's a complete, it's getting. a legitimate, cause again, there's all this background factors, but from, from yeah. that perspective, as somebody who, right, you're subscribing to this, I'm subscribing to Netflix. They're going to, they're going to, you're going to compare that even though they're not, not the same, but it's totally valid to compare them because that's what people are, right? That's what you're going to, that's what you have in front of you, right? That's what, that's what people have to compare to. So I could, and, and this is, this is going to be crazy. I could see this being a free service with additional purchases, in-app purchases. I, I think there should be a baseline free model and then pay for the rest of the series pay for you know black library content pay for but like the fact that there's that upfront paywall like i don't even think you can get a week-long trial and then like decide it's just like boom there's the paywall trust us it's gonna be great go for it versus like hey try it seven days if you don't like it cancel your subscription like there's nothing it's just that's more of i think another issue that i have with it is I don't think all of this content should be behind a paywall. Like, I don't think it's good enough to warrant paying anything for, for it at first. Like I get it. They need to make money. They need to keep the lights on. GW has no problem making money in their current model. Yeah. So I'm sure they'll make a ton of money with this model. But like, I think that's some of my personal objection to it is, you know, I, I just don't see it being great. Yeah, and I think well, they did do um, right, didn't they do like a, a week or something where they had some of the first episodes? I think of Hammer and Bolter and and uh, the Angels of Death. Um, but I can totally see like why don't they just have the first episodes always free so that people can, you know, right? Yeah, you know, and and then you're gonna suck them in, right? Like, hey, if you watch it and you buy it, then you got the whole like then then you want to see the rest of it. You got to pay. I mean, and that's the similar to. Like, you know, like an HBO or, uh, yeah. you know, model where they're like, Hey, here's the first episode of a, a series. And if you like it, then, you know, subscribe I, to buy. I the can't thing. tell you how much money companies have got from me because I forget to cancel my seven day trial. Like, <laughs> or I forget to cancel before my year subscription renews. Like that's, that's easy money <laughs> for companies like Paramount. residual, you know, subscriptions. Um, and I think you get more people in the door if you offer something up front. Yep. Any, before I end on a totally negative note though, and, and telegraph my answer to this, any other like Warhammer plus discussion that you guys think is relevant for the, the decision? Uh, all I'm going to say, Ty, is you're going to give your thing and then I'm going to have you over and we're going to sit down and watch Angels of Death and you're going to be in, and you'll just, You'll be like, all right, gotcha. And then I'll be like, hey, Troy, 
How about I give you a case of beer and twenty bucks and, just <laughs> and watch you can this do it and I'll get you all know, together. Yeah, I don't know. You'll bet you'll be like, I can't wait. I can't wait to come to your house or to watch it. I would never I would never try to find a back door into something that people pay for to watch. I would never watch uh, downloaded movies uh, or TV shows on services like Plex or yeah. other um you know, other uh service. I would never do that, but I, I would wager a guess that there are some people that have already found a way to to access Angels oh. of Death and other shows through more nefarious methods. Um, maybe. Maybe. Josh, any Warhammer Plus thoughts before we kind of come to the decision-making plate or slate? No, I think I'm good. I won't even go down the rabbit hole of the 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 AOS app and the removal of free war scrolls and putting everything behind the Warhammer Plus. Uh, that's what if that happens, I want to revisit this in a couple months. Like if they truly put everything behind the paywall, then we're going to revisit this and I'm going to go on like a 30-minute rant about why I despise Warhammer Plus. Now it's just like a dislike. I'm like apprehensive. <laughs> All right, play it or slay it. We're going to start with the easy money. Troy, Warhammer Plus, play it or slay it. You're already in for a I'm year. I'm already this in. Being something you stay in on. Uh, yeah, and again, as it'll be interesting to see as the more. I'm in it for the animation and the shows. If that comes out, um, if, 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 if the more shows as they continue to come out and they become exciting and are as good as angels of death, it'll be great. Uh, and I'm totally happy. I, I do. So I, I will play it. I do. It's it, interesting around the combination of weaving the apps into it. Definitely can understand that frustration. I would have been bought in if it was just the animation and like the vault content and the extra videos, like, and actually that's what I kind of thought like Warhammer TV that they're just going to, create a, a pay channel i would have been good with that it actually feels like they maybe like for the, <laughs> created more animosity by by tying the app the gaming apps into the subscription service and that's causing more pain than maybe they they intended and um i actually think this thing it could stand on its own and i would still play it if it didn't have the apps in it if it was just the, the oh, animation okay and content all right um I'll go since Josh is the kind of the determining factor. I, I, I think I've made it very clear. I'm going to slay it. I, I, I am not sold. Um, I'll check out Angels of Death. I'm, I'm sure it'll be great, but like I also can go watch Hell, Hell's Reach. I can watch, you know, there's like, uh, well, now you can't because they've kind of stomped their foot on uh, their IP, which rightfully so. They're, it's theirs, but there's fan made stuff too. Yeah. Um, that's pretty cool, and that has been done. So, um, we'll see. But I'm I'm gonna slay it. I I I don't agree with the model. Yeah, it's five bucks. It's sixty for the year. You know that pays for the the model you get. But I, I think for me right now, it's it's the hill I'm gonna die on on principle. <laughs> um, and and I will uh, I'll revisit it later on once I see a little bit more of what they what they do, where else they go, what content they provide. Joshua. Uh, so I'm going to run through my list here. Um, so the, the, the miniature teaser was a, a, sort of a, a feel bad for me because I thought it was a, oh, you sign up for this, you get the miniature if you 
do 12 consecutive months. That the the caveat 12 consecutive months feel bad for me. Um it was it was out there. I just didn't read it. That's on me. Uh I'm interested to check out the animation series um you know with your glowing review Troy, so I'll give that that's a plus. Um the Warhammer Vault, I, I don't subscribe to White Dwarf, so going through some of those and having access to those, I think that's cool. Um, they're uh, kind of like we were saying, their core competencies aren't isn't uh, necessarily digital presentation. Uh, and they, uh, I, I looked through a few of them. It's kind of PDF-ish, but it's also you know they're trying to make sure you can't download it um so that it's a kind of a factioned off pdf-ish and it's it's all right it's not bad it's just not great uh but still interesting i think i still think it's cool so vault thumbs up um here here will be my deciding factor and i i don't know the answer to this so i'm sort of on the fence um the apps if those if they start moving all the rules and you have to go get the app for $5 a month um, to play 40K or Age of Sigmar, I, that's that's going to be a deal, bre- deal breaker for me. And that's, you know, I like if I can't go to War Scroll Builder and build an army, uh, I'm going to be pretty mad. Uh, I, I think that's, that's garbage. Um, but as it stands right now, it looks like they're both available. Um, I think the app... For Age of Sig- I haven't downloaded the 40k app, so I don't know, but the app for Age of Sigmar is kind of garbage uh, from a UI standpoint. It's it's clunky. Building an army list is meh. Um, so kind of a thumbs down on the app stuff. I, I will still give it a play it with the caveat that if they get rid of, um, you know, the... War Scroll Builder and all the War Scroll the access to the War Scrolls and make it you know a, a pay to play Age of Sigmar or 40k. I, I I reserve the right to slay it in the future, but uh, I'll, I'll since it is a cup of coffee, like Troy says, for the animation and for the vault, I think it's worth it. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'm kind of on the same camp. If they got rid of the app, I think they'd be better off so get make you know make your games accessible if you've already i've already paid to buy you know the books i've already paid to buy the models and your paint and your brushes and like you know why, why am i paying a subscription service to play your game like that that would leave a really bad taste in my mouth if that's the direction they go but if that is not the direction they go definitely play it I think it's I think it's worth it. Five dollars. All right. Two to one in favor of play it. For now. We'll have to we'll have to <laughs> uh yeah. yeah, we'll revisit this in the near future. So um that was the return of Player Slayed. I think that was a good discussion though. Um Yeah. And we'll have to cut out the um the Thai promo video and send that in to see if, <laughs> if they can uh, they can use that. And then they can meet. I'll be their paywall. Yeah. They have to pay me. I'll be your paywall. <laughs> That'll be a meme. That'll get memed. I'll be your paywall. 
Um, I think that brings us, though, to the end of the show. Uh, Gen Con, play it or slay it. Some good banter. Um, coming up soon, uh, Game Hole Con. You know, this month, Madison. Uh, I think all or some of us will be there at, at some point. I'm going to be there the whole weekend. I know, Troy, you're dropping in. Josh, I'm not sure if you've figured out your itinerary yet. I, I should probably drop in at some point. I uh, don't know what that looks like, but yeah. In, a, in appearance, all right. Um, we'll wear our red "Ask Me How Long I've Been Playing and Slaying" <laughs> T-shirts, uh, so you can find us there in Madison at the Alliant Energy Center. Um, I didn't mention this. I, I'm pretty stoked. I signed up for Rob uh, Weiland. He is uh, he does a lot of freelance writing for various Green Ronin and others, uh, Forbes reviews games. You know, does all sorts of stuff. He is. Uh, he is running a Deadlands Savage Worlds, uh, like a shootout showdown where all gunslingers would come in the town for kind of like a gunslinging contest that I got into. I love Deadlands. I love Savage Worlds. And I think Rob's a really good GM and RPG, so I'm pretty excited for that. Um, and then Satine Phoenix does a lot of GMing. She's doing a panel. Uh, Going to attend that. So a couple events at Gamehole that I'm I'm ready to go for. And then... Um, just hanging out with Matt and Elena, they're flying in and, and others will be fun. So same weekend South in uh, Lake Geneva, <laughs> Wisconsin is Dragonfall AOS 40 K other miniature events. Troy, you are playing. Are you playing? I 40 K at Dragonfall. I'm signed up, but I'm trying to see right now. It seems well, like the main AOS tournament and the main 40 K tournament, I think I have really good turnout and a lot of tickets. I'm doing like a gentleman's or a more casual 40k, and there are only a couple tickets sold. So I'm trying to get my, I'm trying to get a feel for that of whether it's going to be worth my energy to to go down and uh, play. Yeah, a good way to podium, games. right? Uh, or yeah, I'm like, as long maybe if there's four of us, then I'll go because then that's like there's yeah. my there's my uh, two or three games and uh, there you go, and then I have a good shot at uh, winning something, right? Finishing top four. There we go, right there. Then uh, Holy Havoc right around the corner in November. Uh, and then Adepticon returns in March. Uh, so that's a little further away um, down in Schaumburg at the Renaissance. Housing Block sold out in moments. I think <laughs> I discussed that last time. I won't end on a sour note, but Adepticon is great and big and fun, and everyone will be there except for probably me. And uh, event, uh, event. I started getting pulled for events, so starting to put together plans for what the heck I'm going to run at Adepticon 2022. And we missed, the, on the same weekend as Gamehole, Dragonfall is also RockCon in Rockford, Illinois, yeah. which is another miniature board game, whatever. The, those three conventions need to figure it out. Like, the, yeah, it's a little bit up. too close of a region. Yeah. It, with yeah, you're all within an hour of each other, and well, Dragonfall and Rockon are direct. Ra like that makes zero sense. Yeah, it, you, it's something like that. And then Gamble pull it figured out. Yeah, because it's fun. Because they're all a, fun. They're all fun, and I'd love to support them all. But it's like you, you guys got to find different weekends. It's not hard. <laughs> like, use a calendar. Don't worry. All right. So that is upcoming events, conventions, tournaments, other fun stuff. As always, Facebook, Twitter, basementofdeath.com. Um, and then all of us are available via email. Any concerns or questions about this episode, episode 55, please send them to intern at basementofdeath.com so he can be forced to listen to figure out the questions that you're asking. 
um, that would be great. All right, guys. It's been awesome. Episode 55. Next time, I, I think we're going to have uh, a guest on and talk RPG heavy if it works out. Our October show, we'll have Andrew, Mr. Mephisto, the, the legend from Rantcast on. Uh, so him and I can probably talk for hours about role-playing games and you guys can just try to gesture to us and like be like, guys, <laughs> come on, stop. We got to get through the show notes. No more tangents as we riff on various uh, GMing stories and whatever else might, might be in store. But hoping to line him up for October, episode 56. All right. Keep the dice rolling. The drinks on ice, and no matter what, keep playing and slaying. I got my Genevieve. We all have Genevieve. Who wants to be the the Genevieveer on the the show for I the feel like... Troy Troy has I feel to do it. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I can. I, I then you guys like can provide. Purchaser. You guys can definitely provide color. Um, <clears throat> this is it's our truly our first because this is always what we've we've. Uh, we've threatened to do where we were going to actually like do a beer taste test as part of the, the hydration yeah. section where it's like, Oh yeah, we're all going to have the same beer and then have a little bit of a, so we're finally doing it. There we it, go. It, it happened organically. Yep. I had my last Oktoberfest last night, so I need to go and re up. I feel like I should just buy four, four like cases of, third space Oktoberfest so oh. that I can drink it year round.